Good evening, everyone, and welcome to One World, One Blood Bowl, episode 37, which I have set up as an Ask Me Anything. But that would have been really, really boring. Uh, would have just been an hour plus of me asking myself stuff, and that I think even I would find hard going. So instead, I've invited on three absolute legends. Uh, these are all proper feet. Legends of the world of Blood Bowl. Uh, fumblers to a man, uh, table toppers to a one. Uh, also, at least one of them a multiple chalice winner in the Blood Bowl 2. So we've covered all bases, as we try and do. Um, and I've set you the challenge of Ask Them Anything, uh, including me. We have a very analogue bag of questions, which means they are going to come out entirely randomly. I have no idea what question in what order. We also have a set of questions for each individual, only eight but eight specifically chosen for each of us, including me. And at some point when we get bored of just throwing questions around, we will just stop on one person, put them under the focus, and ask them some of those eight questions. Um, and we might see how many we get through. I don't think there's any way we're going to get through them all. We're just going to see what crops up. Some of it will be about Blood Bowl. Some of it doesn't seem to be about Blood Bowl, but it'll give us an insight into the mind of someone who is involved in Blood Bowl. Most of it's about Blood Bowl. Or very small horses. I mean... <laughs> I'm not in charge of who asked what. I just got all the questions, put them together, and I'm ready to pull them out of the pot. Uh, we will also take any questions we see going through on the uh, chat, so we're hoping we get a couple of questions out of that as well. Certainly you're welcome to ask them, and if we pick them up, we will try and answer them. Um, I have three lovely people with me this evening. You've met them all before if you've watched every one of these shows, and if you have, blimey, thank you. Um, always smash something if this is the YouTube. Spotify, it's great that you listen. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're watching on Twitch, hey, cool, welcome. Uh, and particularly if you're here live, that's awesome. It's really nice to have a live audience. But if you're watching on YouTube, if you just interact with me in any way, hate it, love it, leave any kind of comments, smash like, whatever, all that good stuff, then other people might get to see it, which is always nice. The algorithm will follow you. It won't follow anything I do. Now, there's three lovely people. You should have met them all before. Certainly directly above me is a man who I think is standing head and shoulders above us all right now for what he's putting into Blood Bowl. Uh, welcome back, Christian. Hello, Candlejack. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. We certainly didn't talk enough last time about just how much you're doing with the Fumble Client and what a revolution that's been for some people. Uh, being able to resize it, something we thought was never possible, having all sorts of different angles, all sorts of different ways of marking. We're all in your debt. Thank you. That's it, really. I'm just going to leave it as awkward as that. So, lovely to have you back here. There are some questions about that, but also just some general ones. Of course, you're not just a programmer of the client. Um, you're a tabletop player of great renown, uh, an online player for thousands of years. Um, you are you know, a mainstay of the German fumble, uh, German blood bowl community, I'm, I, I know for a fact. Uh, it's an absolute honor to have you here. Speaking of pillars of the community, uh, to my right, the better known and more influential purple in the world of Blood Bowl. It's Phil, it's Purple Goo. Hello, welcome back. Hello. I'm sure that's not true. I think your influence is, you were giving us the stats on this podcast before, before we went live. It's, it's lovely a couple Why of people listen. It is lovely a couple <laughs> of people listen. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, it's literally here just because it's the sort of content I would want to listen to. So it wasn't out there, so I've made it. Oh, just talking about Blood Bowl, not about the games or, you know, oh, I should have rolled a three, who cares? But about what we learn or what we know or what we do or how we do it and the people involved which i always find fascinating speaking of which <coughs> um what what can i say about you that introduce you to people that don't know you um you were naf tournament director you I were was. captain of team england you've probably been naf that's president true. no okay uh -huh. that's still to do then 
Um, you are the current holder of the NAF championships, I believe. Uh, yes, that's um, right. I won that lottery. Did you win that before? Uh, not that one. I've won um, the one in Germany. Okay, so uh, not your first NAF major then. So, um, yeah, a mainstay of Team England for many years, a tabletop aficionado, and the man occasionally known as Mount Goo round Fumble's way, uh, though Mount Goo has now been destroyed uh, by the Rocket Dacker, um, which we will talk of no more this evening, hopefully. Um, certainly, if you want to know something about Blood Bowl, then talking to, to Phil, to Purple Goo, is not a bad place to start. So he's here to answer anything put to him, uh, and he's promised that he will do exactly that, truthfully and honestly. Weird, but true. Speaking of truth and honesty... How could that not bring us, of course, to the lovely, whoever that is up in the corner, um, the man I call my friend. Uh, that's a nice, simple way of putting it. Uh, also known to some as Dionysian. Change that name because a name, what is it? Is it us? Is it just a label society has put upon us? Uh, went back to something close to his actual name, which is Spence. I'm not going to dox him, but I believe it comes from there. Also sometimes known as Maximum Derek, I think, just proving that he just doesn't care what you call him. It'll be the same human underneath. Um, welcome this evening to whoever you choose to be, the artist formerly known as Dionysian. How are you? Good evening. All good. I believe um, coming back nearly victorious from a, a, the British Chess Championships, dipping your toe into a proper game. Far from, far from victorious. But, <laughs> but I, I'm here. Well, we are thrilled to have you, um, and some of the questions, uh, I hope if we get to your personal questions, might touch on uh, whether we get to have you in Blood Bowl ongoing, uh, which is something I think all of us are worried about from time to time. Should we just launch in? Should I just pull a question out and we'll go and we'll see where we are? Okay, so the idea with the ones from the pot is that all of us can answer these. These are for all four of us, um, and they could be about absolutely anything at all. They might be about Blood Bowl, they might not. Might be a single word, might be a complex one. We've got a very small question coming out first. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're starting with, why did Leo have to die so Kate could live? The door was big enough, surely. Um, I see Christian having a laugh at that. You seem to recognise the reference. Why did Leo have to die yes. so that Kate could live? And what, surely the big door was big enough. Uh, to be honest, I don't really know. I guess they were just stupid. They were too stupid. I think that's a fair answer. They that's, were young. Uh, yes. All young people are stupid. Yes. I, I, I was screaming at the Why? It's, no, it's just silly. Okay. Um, Spence, can we have you in on this? Why Why did Leo have to die? It's about weight, <laughs> not space. Okay. So even though it was a big door, the amount of weight of two people on it you think might have sunk it. I think it was tried on Mythbusters. I, I think people think that most of them might have fitted on that door, that it had enough buoyancy to maintain the weight. Phil, let's bring you in on this very contentious yeah. issue. Why did Leo have to die so that Kate could live? The door was big enough, surely. Well, I think this is a rhetorical, philosophical question, like what okay. is the sound of a tree falling in a wood if nobody's there to hear it? Um, I don't think there is an answer. I think it's a thought experiment. Okay, I think that's a very fair answer. Uh, mine would be because uh, it was in the script. I think a very logical answer there, which none of you, none of you got to. Um, oh, you are, you are a test. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, it's you know, I, I, I have seen behind the camera. Um, yeah. It wasn't real. He, he didn't actually die. It was all just film. Oh, it was all made really? up. Really? They were pretending. Um, they pretend oh, for a living. Thank God. Yeah, they lie for a living, CJ. That's just, that's just facts. It's a sad world. A okay. Sad, sad world. I've pulled the next one. The next one is 
we talked about this a tiny bit before we came on air. How relevant and or important is being in the NAF? The NAF, for those that don't know, is the player-run organisation bringing all blood bowlers together and tracking how many wins you've had at tournaments and things. And also keeping Slan alive for reasons. Um, how relevant or important is the NAF? Uh, Phil? Uh, well, I play tabletop blood bowl. That's my favourite blood bowl. That tournament resurrection style. And uh, I don't imagine how I might be able to uh, achieve that outside of the NAF if I want any sort of understanding of how I'm doing or where I'm placed in the sort of more wider ecosystem. We're all off to the World Cup, I think, in a, in a month's time. That's not happening without the NAF. Uh, it's imperfect. And I'm sure if, you know, Spence started the, uh, you know, arrival sort of organization, I, I, maybe something else could happen. I don't know. But at the moment today, I think it's very relevant being in the NAF if you want to play that kind of blood bowl. Didn't Sam already start a rival organization? Real NAF. Um, oh, well, I, was it a joke? Was it a thing? I, I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think it went anywhere. So I say no. Dio, how relevant or important is being in the NAF? No comment. Okay. You, you know, I'm going to only give you a certain number of jokers before we're obviously <laughs> going to cut to a Dio's personal questions time. Um, Christian, how relevant or important is being in the NAF? Well, um, I think nowadays, maybe, but it, it's, I mean, the, the tournaments are happening regardless yeah. if, if people are in the effort, if they want to go there, but <coughs> um, yeah, seeing that it's uh, still many people want to have the, the games somehow be, be counted, somehow, somehow be, be recorded or so, so it's, I think it's good to have everybody in, in there just, just to have there is some kind of, of consistency, but in the fact, I would say it's not super important because the NAF has has uh, big enough numbers. But if you don't want to be in it, you don't don't have to. You can still enjoy the game. Is usually unless, of course, some tournaments require you being a member. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, I think it's irritating for so if you are a person that wants your games recorded. And somebody turns up that's not an AF member uh, and your game is not recorded that's i guess irritating for some people hence that yes i mean whatever you think of an AF, they are they're they're a bunch of people that are doing a lot of stuff for yes. you whether you want it or not yeah. Yeah. Um, i mean in in the early years i remember people at tournaments being upset that oh my god my three wins have been against non enough players and they don't get points and the one loss was against enough player and ah, i'm losing at, back in the days when ranking was was new and, and people were really invested in it very much. I guess some people still are, but uh, I guess that has ebbed down a bit. But uh, yes, I still remember that people like encouraging others to, to join the NAF hmm. and stuff just to, to, like, to, to get games recorded. And I think it's a, as a community thing, it, it's still good to have people there. As said, there are flaws, there are things that maybe are not perfect. But uh, Yeah, I'd love to do an episode looking at the history, the present and, and possibly the future of the NAF. Um, to me, and, and we probably will at some point, to me, I think it's vital at the moment that you're in the NAF if you enjoy going to tournaments. It's not just about, as you, know, you said, recording your own data, but it's about giving other people that opportunity to say, you know, here are the games and look back on them. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't really gone and looked at my rankings. I did once because someone told me something and I went to have a look and went, oh yeah, he's right. And since I'm not sure I've been back there. Um, 
but it's you know it is important to some people and it does keep a record of everything and it does keep everything organized and together and give us some sense of sanity but with the rise That's... of tour play i do think it's decreasing in its importantness to a lot of people and i think if tour play had a, a, a good ranking universal ranking system that everyone sort of could get behind that might really threaten the NAF in the future. So I do hope they get their, their act together a bit more than they are at the moment. But yes, things like the World Cup, which I'm really looking forward to, would definitely not be happening without it. Well, there's, there's a layer of consistency that the NAF offers as well, right? Exactly. So to have your tournament submitted to the NAF, there is a yeah. set of rules, a system, and a consistency around what that yeah. tournament is that you're turning up to. So yeah. if it was just a tour play app outside of a umbrella organization, you might not have that. Sorry, Christine. Go on. Yeah, but but uh, I mean, I'm not sure that something like the World Cup would not be happening. It might be happening in a diff different way. Because uh, even before the NAF, there were people that were playing yeah. the game. There was talk, uh, talk football, which is now talk fantasy football. Um, and people had been organizing things. I mean, like the, the first Euro Bowl in Amsterdam was, was also, the, it, it was completely something that just people wanted to get going. And I could imagine that things would happen even without the NAF. Maybe in a different format or stuff, but people will find a way to, to get the games so to make it yeah, easier. I think happen. if we really didn't have the NAF, something not called that but quite similar might pop up anyway. Yes, probably. It, it's a sort it's of just, niche that, that yeah. something does feel needed in. And yet I hear lots of you know communities and games don't have that. So we shouldn't underestimate how wonderful it is, but maybe yeah. also ask more of it at times. Um, this this one's going to be fun. Nice, simple, easy one. Couple of words, answers only. Ask all of them how they like the Blood Bowl 2020 Season 2 edition compared to Blood Bowl 2016 and CRP. Nice, simple one there. Um, Dio, how do you like Blood Bowl Season 2 compared to 2016 or CRP? Uh, it's flaming garbage fire. 2016 was trash. CRP is the best war set we've ever had. Okay, very succinct. Thank you very much for that, uh, Christian. Let's bring you in. To be honest, I don't, I don't have much different feeling. They're all a bit different. They all have some ups and downs. But it's because I, I think personally, CRP has, has, has I kind of liked it a bit better. Um, like the game felt a bit different, but it's still all of those are fine with me. Phil, how do you like uh, Blood Bowl season two? compared that specifically it, to 2016 and CRP. So that it exists is brilliant because the game's never been more popular uh, and we see more and more people playing and bubbles massive now in comparison to what it was. In terms of rules, uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a flaming dumpster fire. You know, it's, it's still 90% of the game that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it isn't as good as CRP or football 2016. I think I preferred 2016 actually because it didn't have Claw Mighty Blow piling on, and I, I don't think there's an awful lot of difference between those two rule sets. Um, I, I would I sort of agree with the panel, uh, not quite as far, perhaps, as Spence has gone. Um, I don't think it's a good rule set. I think it is a step, mostly backwards, but at least it's a step. And we had an ossified set of rules for 10 years, and whilst I agree they were the best rule set we had, particularly latter stage CRP, after piling off got removed and then brought back with a team reroll. And then we also got some new teams and a few new skills. So in the latter two or three years of CRP, I thought that we really peaked. We had a really exciting uh, rule set, but one everyone knew. I mean, everyone was excited for a year that some people were putting Frenzy on a war dancer instead of Tackle, and then a year later everyone swapped back. I mean, that's not revolution in the meta, is it? 
That means we needed something, and at least we had. I'd like to change. clarify. I'd like Sorry, to clarify my issue. I'd, I'd like to clarify my issue with 2016 quickly. There, as uh, okay. Phil said, it was a better rule set. Uh, argue the call is what I think one of the worst things that's happened to the game. There's a question about that coming up if we get okay. lucky. So let's see. But okay, there's a, a nice addendum there. Uh, this one is quite a quick one for you. I mean, it may not be. We'll see how this takes you. As a team, do you think Blackhawks are competitively viable? I, I think in, well, if they're, they're not going to be super, not like top shelf, but um, I think they're currently still a bit undercoached, and probably that there are there are potentials that can can be yeah, that, yeah and maybe to, to, to be harvested or something. This I think people, including myself, we have not really understood yet what might be we might be able to do with a team. Maybe it, it needs some some different tiering or something, but it's. I think it could be interesting, but it, it, I don't think it will be, like going up to up there to Undead or Skaven or Lizards or anything. But it's okay. So you think there's there's maybe one. secrets to coaching them that we haven't unlocked yet as a community? Yes, maybe. Um, my worry is that perhaps those are based around having a star involved. They they're just not reactive yeah. to things that break through. I mean, you're sending a, a squadron of goblins after a war dancer or a catcher or something, and it's it's not going to do any good even if they get there. That's the problem. Um, Spence, what do you think? Are Blackhawks uh, competitively viable? Yes, competitively viable in a non-redraft environment. So only in an environment that's conflicts with the rule set. But one that currently exists in Blood Bowl Three, for example. Um, so people there are building big black hawk teams, and once they get lots of skills on them, they're finding they can do stuff with them. But you think without, when redraft comes in and what cuts the black hawks occasionally, you can do a, you can do a lot of creative things with the mass grab. Okay, especially with the brawler. And in the NAF meta, Phil, are we? What do you think? Are, are black hawks competitively viable? Are they? I, I've not seen too many rule sets that give them enough to put them. Up there with tier one yet there'll be something somewhere there'll be there'll be if you scoured the database tonight you would find a tournament somewhere where you think oh black orcs they'll be all right there because that's true of every team right um but you know just in straight blood bowl i don't think they're uh, a super competitive choice but it's great that those teams exist yeah i mean I, i'm quite happy with there being some teams that are a challenge if you want to coach them um and that maybe you go thinking, all right, top half counts as a victory here because these are really tough. Um, I think that should be available and viable within a you know a diverse environment like Blood Bowl. Are they competitively viable? I mean, I I agree. I don't think I would foresee them in any tournament I've looked at being up at the top end of the tournament. So maybe the answer's kind of no, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think you can be competitive with them, but maybe not compete to win. So I guess it depends how you view competitively. If Games Workshop had a cull of races, which six would you retain? I mean, it's easier to answer which are the first six you get rid of, right? Nope, that's not the question. <laughs> which six would you retain? You're only allowed six. Uh, orcs, yeah. dwarfs, wood elves, skaven, lizardmen, and one of the chaos teams. Chaos, straight chaos. Okay. 
Dennis hin. Orcs, Dwarves, Lizards, what else? Zons. I don't know. None of the stunties. Oh. This is an interesting question because uh, Blood Bowl badly needs to reduce the number of races and increasing it was absurd. Okay. I'm tempted to ask why, but that's not the point of what we're doing this evening. Um, Christian, which six teams should survive? You're only allowed six. Well, uh, first, Undead. How can nobody pick uh, Undead? I mean, they're the coolest... They're, they're, they are the coolest team. They are the, the super long team. It's good for, for people to start with in the game because they can do everything. They have win goblins well. because they're fun. Okay, goblins, you undead and goblins. Have, yes, you have, um, I think, yes, Skaven for some, something that can mutate, something that they can do, like the scurrying stuff. Um, yes, probably some elves have to stay as well. <laughs> but maybe... Yeah, maybe 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 just just take take uh, the high elves because uh, I think the others are just okay. dark dark woods are just just too too lame and and rolls are just they have no justification being there, uh, I think. Okay. It's just not just I, 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 they I don't really like it. it's just it, it feels like a forced roster. So we have about no like, like three then maybe, um, humans as as the, as the average Joe team. Um, Got no orcs, dwarves, yes. or lizards yet. Yes, but those those come come to me. I think like yes, dwarves as well. That's and, your six. And yes, you're yes. done. No orcs. Um, you have to have humans. Yes, uh, and we waited for Christian to say it, but we have to have humans. You have to have orcs. You have to have dwarves. You have to have something elfy. I would pick high elves if I just had to pick one. It has to be undead. So that gives you five. Um, and then I'm stuck between something chaos, something lizards, or I do think you need something yeah. fun, so flings or goblins. To balance I mean, it, like, to give variety, like... I would add chaos in, I think, to get. Or, and then I've left out yeah. Skaven, haven't I? I've left out Skaven, but then yeah. fun. There, there has to be some, some, some silly stunty fun in, in those. I mean, it, 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 it will be a main selling point, like say, and you can play a team with a chainsaw and a bombardier on the pitch and you go, <laughs> Thulian's got a point uh, based on what I've said. If you add uh, halflings to that, we have Lord of the Rings. So there we are. That's um, Lord <laughs> of the Rings, the Blood Bowl game. I'm not over the idea that undead are a cool team. They're not even the coolest undead team. What, what gives? <laughs> I think it's the win well, rates. That's just because they're, they're, really, they're like, like, like the do-it-all team. It's, uh, that, that, that's why I really love them. So that's why I would keep them. I think I think personally, like for 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 for, for my jo uh, joy, I would prefer necros because like they're really cool. But it's uh, just like for the game itself, I think under would be better. I like any team that that the Games Workshop couldn't kill. So that of course includes pro elves and uh, undead because undead was split into tomb kings, vampires, and necro, and uh... everyone went no, we're still going to do undead. Uh, and I love that, and the same with pro elves. So yes, any team that Games Workshop couldn't kill, I'm firmly behind. What else, if anything, do you play, and why? 
Phil, what else, if anything, do you play and why? Not a lot these days. Uh, I am. There's a couple of board games that I play as well. Uh, there's a really good app for Through the Ages, so I play that on my phone whenever I've got a bit of downtime. Um, I got obsessed with Twilight Struggle a couple of years ago for about six months, and then uh, sort of fell off that as well. I'm old with children. I don't have time for much. Poor. I don't have time for much Blood Bowl actually, let alone anything else. Sadly. Uh, Dionysian, I feel we know at least part of this answer. What else do you play and why? Everything. Anything people want to gamble on, I'll play. Okay. Specifically the gambling, though, there has to be a risk element for you? Generally, yeah. The, the only thing I really do without gambling would be chess or storybook brawl in the past. Okay. Would you gamble on Blood Bowl? Yes. I have many times. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, any particular favourite from the sort of phone world or games or things you play on there, or are you constantly just laying off sports bets and watching Phil Ivy? Just whatever people want to gamble on. Okay. Uh, CJ Christian, uh, what else do you play and why? Um, the the why is for fun and um, what else? Like for example, like that's probably is, is our board game shelf. That is getting smaller and smaller because like uh, there are too many games out there. I, 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 I like to play basically any any kind of games, board games, cooperative, um, just uh, silly competitive games, just nonsense. Uh, card games, yeah. Um, and sometimes when I, well, I'm just a bit fed up or I need to 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 blow some steam, I fire up Fortnite and get my arse handed to me by fourteen year olds. Um, oh, I love but, that uh, idea. I'd watch that stream. It's just okay. sometimes I, I, I get some of them, but uh, most of the time it's just like, but still, it's 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 fun. So, it's, yeah. But usually, I'm I'm up for for mostly anything. I bet. Um, okay, I, I to put an answer in myself. I currently, as if you've watched the live stream, you would know lately. I've been getting into Jagged Alliance Three, the sequel to Jagged Alliance Two. Uh, which is a genre-defining game within the tactical, squad-level, turn-based combat uh, sub-genre. So like XCOM, and I would say also like Blood Bowl. Uh, I'm absolutely loving it. It's a, an 80s action movie send-up, throwback, and it's fabulous. I also quite enjoy Polytopia on my phone. Uh, apparently something I have in common with Elon Musk. Who knew? One of the many things. The two of us are like twins, really. <laughs> What do you think of fouling as a mechanic? And are there any changes that you would make to it? There you are, you got lucky. It came out super early as well. What do you think of fouling as a mechanic and are there any changes you would make to it? Derek. I think it's a great mechanic. It uh, provides, uh, provides an element in the game where you can really exercise coaching skill in looking at inflection points. Uh, the main change I would make to it is removing Argue the Call. Why? Oh, dear. Okay. Argue the Call, um, it creates this really unnecessarily unnecessary uh, spiky element to fouling um, where the player just gets to stay on. And you can... It kind of swings fouling too much in the you should almost always foul in sneaky git dp sneaky git changes already do that as well 
especially in some of the some of the earlier rules before they got errated. And it's just uh, it's just such a big swing. Um, uh, with something like death roll the dwarves now, just spiking that six is just an absurd swing. Okay, so it brings too much spike and swing into the expected values, and that means it's made fouling too powerful. That too many changes at once, you feel it's gone too far in the fouler's direction. We did used to have DP plus two just standard, but it's it's very rare to get it now. It's only Borak and the Death Roller, isn't it? Um, Phil, what do you think of fouling as a mechanic? Are there any changes you'd make to it? Well, to go super high level first, like fouling is just a fluffy mechanic in a game. Like it's not evil or wrong or cheating or any of those things. So just to underline that first, I like that it exists. I so I see what Spence says about argue the call, actually. I think that's eloquently argued. Uh, I, I think it is unnecessary. Unnecessary is a good word for it. I don't think it's sort of transformative. Uh, it, it's annoying when it happens. But um, I think at the moment we're in quite an interesting place with fouling where it is overvalued, I think, by quite a few people. So loads of people, loads of people... I've played against people that lean into fouling and I've taken, for instance, a sneaky git on a high off lineman, say, because, aha, fouling is now really super powerful and I don't believe it is that powerful. But because that belief has pervaded through meta and the people playing the game, mm -hmm. I think we see enough fouling that it's a bit irritating now because when you lean into it, sometimes it works. And it working will perpetuate the idea that it's fantastic and mega and you'll remember that game where everything died and went away um so i do find it a little bit irritating to use it or to play against it and to lean into it um and that's only because i think you find with most of the more competitive coaches we want a lovely game where nothing dies and we can all position our little men exactly where we want to do it and then after positioning all our little men by five percent better positioning than your your positioning wins the day and it irritates us when Yahtzee is played and things go away and so uh, that was a very long answer I think it could be I think it could be toned down just a touch uh, but not because it's too good but because it just it, it sort of infiltrated the game a bit too much okay question um, I, th I would say I, I, I agree with uh, with a lot of the, the things Phil said at least the first ones like it is a, it's a fluffy mechanic, and yes, it's it is there, and it can give um, some teams an unnecessary edge. I think like stunties, they they, they this, this this also the idea of, of of the small guys ganging up to to foul the big bully on the ground. It it adds some fluffness. But, um, I remember in in the beginnings when people were complaining about but, but fouling is so unfair and stuff, so because it has this kind of of, of a stigma because people. As, as as Phil implied, they associated the penalty in the game with being it being against the rules of the game or against the spirit of the game. Yeah, they write and a game with that as an explicit mechanic you can do, but they give yeah. it the name fouling, and everyone goes, "Oh, well, then we mustn't do it." Yes, it, and that insane. was a bit weird. Well, I think a lot of that also came from because it doesn't give you star player points, so people said. But there's no benefit for you if you do that. You're just hurting my poor team, and pe people love their pixels or or their the, um, long-lived groomed wardrobes and stuff. So it's um, but I think like 
over the years the game got more like more people in it, but people got, got more to understanding about the mechanic and more of, of the competitiveness. Um, yes, maybe a bit toning down would not be too bad. I I I, I think I, I value its strength more than Phil does. I think it it, it is 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 not that much overrated because it it works often enough. Um. And uh, well, yeah, about the argue, uh, yeah, I don't think it's. Well, I mean. Snake eyes on 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 a on a rush also can also be very swingy. It always always depends on on the occasion. Sometimes it happens and then yeah. tough tough luck. But yeah, may, maybe we bring something like the eye back would would help in that matter to to making like like one team over aggressively fouling every time and the opposition not or not being able to could help to balance that a bit, especially since. Fouling can now be toned with with getting sneaky kit and getting bribes as inducement and stuff to like work even more. Not like before with piling on, you could just yeah you, you get the party on kill stack and you have to just roll for the dice and hope it, it works. But now with the with the bribes, the fouling can can be tuned much more into your advantage to do that. So that's that's so. the irritate that's the really high end irritation of fouling, isn't it? There are a couple yeah. of teams, and I'm talking about sorry NAF yeah. resurrectiony stuff. I think. Yeah. Progression slightly different, but there are a couple of teams, so Underworld or maybe Amazon yeah. at the minute, that base their strategy around fouling every turn, and the teams are good enough to not have to do that. So it's an yes. extra sort of it's an yes. extra difference maker. This, this, this combination, goblins, yeah. If goblins are doing it, what else have they got? Yeah, fine. You know, not a problem. I, I think the irritation in people's minds comes from. That game where Underworld would clean them up in six turns. Game over. Yes, yes. I mean, like, or for example, before for all the all um, the rules did ban sneaky git and bribe and stuff. When he had like uh, I, 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 on a tournament, it took like old Amazon roster catcher with DP, dirty player sneaky git and a bribe, and and it just vaporized the opposition. It was just it was just silly and nuts. Yeah, I mean, and so that is. Yeah, it, it's one of my concerns because, of course, it, yeah. it means that goblins continuously get destroyed by all the nerfs to the rule sets and the tiering structures of tournaments. Because yeah. whilst they need all of those toys, they're not getting them to stop other teams getting them, which I think is mainly the reason. Um, Underworld, for example, I, th I think Phil's right. They they come with every trick in the book. You know, they get the extra yes. players, they get the fouling game, they get the sniping game, they get the mutations game, they get the one turning game. Um, they they're cheap. They can afford stars as well. They really had every option mm. available to them, and one of them was yeah. value every turn and value off the pitch. There should be some teams for whom that's a viable option. I think Black Orcs, with their ability to put you down anywhere, use their guard players to assist them and the, the goblins to foul. I think fouling comes naturally to them. Yes, give give the Black Orcs something like an Uligan, like a dirty player starting yeah, position so. or something that, like that. That might be the way to give them that little bit, yes, it's a, little yeah, bit it, burst of, of of a buff they need. Yeah. Yes. I have I, to agree that like the the all all the all the levers or, or leverages that are in the game, all all of them seem to apply for Underworld. It seems like every everything that is there, Underworld can make use of it. And yeah, weird, I mean, for example, pity. as a goblin, I can turn up with a couple of bribes, a dirty player sneaky get using only a normal skill to do so, uh, and a biased referee because I can be you know cheap enough to have that cheap oh, yeah. biased referee, uh, which is another. Thing someone that, mentioned biased referee. That, that, adds into my fouling game and I can very confidently foul and, and not get sent yeah. off or and you can't foul back because of bias yeah. referee and it's not like the eye where it's just done because I'm doing it and then it can flick back no I've got the bias referee you're screwed all game you foul me you're in trouble yeah. and I've got good chance of not being yeah. and, and that should be viable for goblins 32% yeah. win rate 
but it shouldn't be viable for Underworld with their 63% win rate. Yeah. And it and is. talking about swingy, swingy. If, if you then add something like Friends with the Ref yeah. or Under Scrutiny, then yeah, so your yeah, opponent absolutely. can't fall back or something. This is things that are, in my opinion, really unnecessary and swingy, like silly prayers. I think, that... I think this speaks to a higher level issue than fouling, though, because the, the goblin issue that you're talking about, that's symptomatic of the community sticking with their previous tiering and only moving it a little bit. Now we're in Blood Bowl 2020. So they've gone, ah, there's a problem with Sneaky Git Bride. Whether or not you believe there's a problem or not, that's what they've said. And thus, hand down, stamp it. So you could easily do it. So, you know, you could easily do it. So tier four or whatever tier problems end up in don't have that problem. But there, there are things like that throughout. So, you know, Underworld are actually very rarely tier one. And is that... Uh, is that uh, causing their massive win rate, or is it? It, it just... caught me out recently. I went to Borac Bowl in London, um, and I chose to, you know, like I did, lean in. I took a sneaky get a couple of years ago to the NAFC on my dark elves, and got good change out of it because I had a couple of people foolish enough to feed me an elf around to to kill. But you know, anyone with decent strategy understood I had it and wasn't giving me anything I could really get use of it with. Um, the same thing, I, I decided I'd play Underworld, and again, I picked like the Death Roller just after it was popular and when it started to be nerfed. And I turned up, having picked my roster, and turned out that Underworld had moved to Tier 1, and no one had told me. So suddenly I lost three skills, um, a, a secondary, a primary, and a mutation, all disappeared from the roster I thought I was taking. And yet I still coached 2-2-0 and was a, a 1 in 9 away from winning the tournament. They were fine at, at Tier 1, facing other Tier 1 teams with the same package they had. Really, there was no problem at all. I was competitive in every game. It just wasn't a problem. The one game I wasn't as competitive in, I had a very bad first half against Goblins, because I forgot to swarm. And if I'd swarmed, I think that would have solved the problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't think they need to be anywhere other than Tier 1. I don't think they need all the fouling help that they get, and I think Goblins do. And the current state of fouling, I think, is fine, except for that dichotomy where we have the top tier in win rates at the moment under Resurrection format, getting hit with lots of bad hammers, and it's also hitting the bottom tier in terms of the team in terms of win rates. And it's all down to the fouling matter. I also agree that, that you know things like Zons shouldn't need to be fouling. Um, so, yeah. Right, let's take a quick break from these questions, because uh, I want to wake Spence up. So we're going to go for Spence's uh, first four questions. Uh, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Let's go, Spence. Fantastic. <laughs> Let me get Spence's questions. If he is enthusiastic, he can't wait. You see it in his face. Well, I'm just trying to... I know he's had a long, tiring weekend. I'm thrilled he's here with us. So let's see if we can keep him, reward him for the effort he's put in by keeping him awake and involved. Uh, Dio, give me a number between one and eight. Three. Three. Uh, what's your biggest poker win? Probably uh, second in the Omaha 8 2008 World Series event, so about 160 grand. Wow. Okay, very, very impressive number there. Uh, give me another number between 1 and 8, please. 4. Given the success of your YouTube when it was running, would you ever consider starting a YouTube channel again or at least offering deep dives into plays again? No to the first part. Possibly to the second. Okay. Any reason why you'd never consider another YouTube? No comment. Okay. Fair enough. You've answered the question that was asked. Uh, give me a number this time between one and six, please. Six. Six. 
What is the best thing to bring to Blood Bowl from poker? Sorry, can you repeat the question? What is the best thing to bring to the game of Blood Bowl from the game of poker? Um, probably just uh, familiarity with working with the concept of equity-based decision-making and expected value. Okay, which is where you look at a play and say, this should do this, therefore it doesn't matter whether it does or not, that's the right thing to do compared to this. Yeah. Yes, that's all you're trying to do. Each of your plays, uh, each of the lines of play that you're considering has an expected value, and you, you're trying to maximise your equity in each game. Okay. And... I was expecting you to say 160 grand <laughs> Yeah, the ability not to have to work. <laughs> I'm sure winning poker is lots and lots of work. Uh, and finally, a number between one and five. One. What would you do if I played knight b3 in a Spanish open variation? <laughs> no comment. No comment? You'd be no comfortable, comment. comfortable with a b3 or you're not going to give it away? No comment. I think he'd immediately resign looking at that face. Yeah, I think that's uh, my advice to the person that asked that is please do do that. It seems he doesn't have an answer. Okay, uh, let's do another four. Um, anyone want to volunteer for four personal questions? Phil volunteers. Phil volunteers. Well done, Phil. Uh, I knew we could rely on you. Uh, for those not li those just listening, not seeing the the, uh, the video, I am of course putting Phil full screen uh, oh. for all his sins. Give me a number between one and eight, please. Seven. Seven. Uh, what's your favourite stunty team? Goblins. There's only one favourite stunty team. Anybody that says anything other than goblins is wrong. Uh, this is why we love you. Uh, give me a number between one and seven. Two. Two. Uh, what are your Blood Bowl goals going forward? Or is it just about pure enjoyment? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I think the thing that I focus on every year is trying to get picked for Team England. I think that is... Hey, so winning individual tournaments, I, you know or winning team tournaments, it's nice if it comes, but to continually be seen as, by your peers, as worthy of being team, picked for Team England, I think is the, the consistent thing. And it's that's effort every year. Okay, very nice answer. Thank you. Uh, number between one and six? Three. Uh, what, what do you attribute your Blood Bowl success? Nice, easy one. <laughs> um, I am sort of uh, low-key obsessed and I've got some great friends who uh, I bigger tournaments that I've done well in I've done well alongside them so they're two nice things to have There are only five left one to five please Two Two, if you could start again with Blood Bowl what would you tell yourself now knowing what you do know now and would you change anything? Oh, wow. So I do this thing with all the games that I play. So the two that I mentioned earlier, Through the Ages and Twilight Struggle, are the same. And Blood Bowl, I did this with as well. I think for the first, like, 150 games I played on Fumble, I just didn't care. I was moving bits around. The client was telling me what the weather was. I didn't know. I, I, I sort of picked it up as I went along, that nice weather was more likely than a blizzard or, you know... Etc. So I, I sort of let let the games wash over me until such a time as I decide to get obsessed. Um, 
And I think what I would probably tell myself is that Blood Bowl's worth obsessing over more quickly um, and getting into more quickly. Also, I would say to myself, go and play tabletop tournament Blood Bowl more earlier than you did. Yeah. They're not scary people. I thought, who plays this game in real life? What kind of weirdo? That... And they are all, and we are all weirdos, and yeah. that's great. But you know, they were the right kind of weirdo. So, yeah. What is terrifying is it is terrifying to walk into a Blood Bowl tournament for the first time, and it's more terrifying to realise you probably belong. Mm. Um, truly, truly chilling moments. Um, Christian, we've avoided it till now, but it turns out you are front and centre. Give me a number between one and eight. Let's see. Uh, that's uh, one. Number one is what is the thing you wish you could just make Fumble do instantly with no work required? Instantly. Instantly. Just click your fingers and it does it. Seasons. Oh. Having seasons implemented. Oh, I love you so much. Um, what an enormous <laughs> amount of work and we're not pushing for it. We're not expecting it. We're not even asking no. for it. It's just something you and I yeah. wish could happen. Now give me number yeah, well, two, one, I'm, seven. Uh, b -b four. One, two, three, four. Is there a stereotype of the English Blood Bowl player in Germany? And if so, what is it? <laughs> well, there are. It's, it's, it's a bit hard to say. But I would say more like. Um, uh, well, what's 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 the correct word? No, where, uh, awesome. Maybe not not not, yeah. not serious, but but not like over ecstatic. It's like okay. uh, the, the English are, are not known for like being too emotional, um, and uh, occasionally being a bit drunk. Serious and reserved, but a bit drunk. Yes, I think we'll take that. That's I all think, right. Yeah, I think we'll <laughs> that. Okay, uh, pick a number from one to six. That's uh, one again. One again is now, uh, why do you give so much of your time for free to fumble? Please don't stop. Um, well, because, uh, yeah. Firstly, I want to play the game online and in, 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 in a proper manner. It's, it's, I'm also doing this work for me, to be honest. And it's just, I just like it when, when you, you, you build something and you see it like come to life and actually people use it and enjoy it and that and that's also something that I, I want to do with my profession with my, my daily job and that's what just gives me great satisfaction and that's just i know that people appreciate new features and that you're just there and have fun and blow can blow some steam and, and keep the game alive that's very really cool there's a wonderful RSI animates about what actually motivates human beings and how it isn't money to the degree that we perhaps expect it to be. Um, and some of the three motivating factors that economists have never really looked at that do seem to motivate humans. Autonomy, mastery, and mission. Uh, because a modern economist has to explain why um, things like Wikipedia exists, where experts give their time for free for something they will never get any reward from. Uh, and it turns out that we quite like being a master of something, being good at doing it. We quite like the autonomy to do it and do it ourselves. Uh, and we also quite like the mastery, uh, sorry, mastery, <laughs> autonomy, and mission. And that there's something behind it that we believe in, um, which with yes. Fumble has ensnared many of us. One final one for you in this round. Uh, five, four, three, two, or one. 
Uh, one again. One again. Uh, what song gets you to the dance floor? I think I'm too old for that by now. So I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm a very very boring person nowadays. Uh, I don't dance. Uh, you don't dance. No. Not even I don't feel like dancing by the Scissor Sisters would get you dancing. No. A good German it, it, Oompa it, Loompa it, band. No, it's just uh, at least at least I haven't danced in a long long time. Surely, if David yeah. Hasselhoff cried freedom, you would feel you had to. Don't mention him. That man united Germany. <laughs> he united all of us. He did. He did. <laughs> he, he so did. Okay, um, you cannot get CJ to the dance floor nowadays. What a revelation. Uh, Derek, give me a number between one and eight, please. One. These are real. There are actual questions on there. Uh, they're not in focus. Uh, but look, there are, really. Honest. One. <laughs> Uh, have I gone off dwarves? Um, no, I I still love dwarves. I'm playing a lot more elves and just other things, just because it's nice to, and because it was hilarious that everyone thought I only played dwarves. Uh, I still love them, but I do think in the current rule set, unlike Jimmy Fantastically thinks they are the god of the current rule set, I think the number of strong teams around and the inability to roll lucky plus strengths here and there uh, has left them with a much tougher job than people thought they would get. I think that's being reflected in some of their win rates as well. Um, Phil, give me a number between one and seven. Six. How important is it to bring a legal roster to a tournament? Um, it's very important, Dimmy, um, and it's something I will always strive to do from now on. Thank you. It's the gift That's... that keeps on giving. Yeah, it is. That's never going to get old, <laughs> is it? That's going to live forever. Um, who haven't I asked? Uh, Christian, give me a number between one and six. Six. Uh, any One World, One Blood Bowl episodes you wish I'd done and haven't? Uh, yeah, oh, loads. Um, particularly, I've always said I want to have a look at toxicity, toxic behaviour in Blood Bowl. Um, and everyone I ask and say, do you want to come on to this? They go, yeah, but I'm not toxic. Which makes it a bit awkward when they ask, so why I've asked them. Um, so at the moment, I just don't have three people that are volunteering to do that, that either have a toxic past or who I would think of as toxic right now. Um, okay, we have uh, one more for me in this round. So let's go back to Dio. A number between one and five, please. Three. Three. Will One World, One Blood Bowl reach 100 episodes, and how would I celebrate? Um, will it reach 100 episodes? No, I don't think so. I suppose it might, but i that's a lot of episodes. That would be several more years. I don't think so. Um, how would I celebrate? I'd probably do one naked or wearing a silly hat. But I think naked would be the way, wouldn't it? We'd do a, a one world, one blood bowl naked. Um, and and yeah, I think I think Dio would clearly be in for that. So uh, that's I think probably where we'd go with that. Let me see if I can get back all four of us. There we go. Uh, that was the personal round. Did we like that round? Yay! Very much. Yeah. Cool, let's pull a question. There's this big one bothering me at the start. Should we go with that one? Well, the answer is yes, because I've pulled it. Right, bear with me. This is going to take some reading. When is the right time to blitz the ball carrier? In the way back, when you had only one re-roll per turn, if you could reasonably put block dice on the ball, you do it, no question asked. Now, with multiple re-rolls, there are many more situations where you can reasonably put block dice on the ball. I have found that springing the ball free is much easier, but could cost you all your re-rolls. 
And if you don't have a reasonable chance to recover the ball, those re-rolls are wasted and the rest of the half is fighting uphill. Is it still always the right decision to put blocked ice on the ball or do you need to pick and choose your opportunities to maximise the big turn when you use a pile of re-rolls and you will end up with the ball in a protected position? Phil. Well, when... thank you. The, the only question you have to ask yourself is, am I going to get a better chance than this one to hit the ball carrier? So be that be that a six up with black orc into a cage or you know one go for it for six dice at the ball. If you're gonna get a better chance, or you think you're gonna get a better chance by wearing the guy down and making this position worse, or because he's not playing very well and this is a one dice this turn and in two turns time you're confident you'll get something better, then you know, that's the equation. I think the the high end of that equation is this is a six up into a cage now or it gets worse later and not being embarrassed to do the six up into the cage because it's the because it's the best time. I don't think the multiple re-rolls thing changes that equation. I think it's always been the same. I'm not quite sure that it's the only equation there. Like You can also think about do I actually get the to get the ball from him? Can I pressure him into scoring early or something? Or do you just lay back and have a good chance of doing a one turn or something? And uh, which might because like for, for a lot of teams, the guy doing the one turn might also be the guy trying to do the cage break and might die doing that. So I think that's sure. a bit more, 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 more of the context of in, in, in this. Yeah, so that's ball. good flavor. I give a very generic answer. I think there are. There are fluffy bits around it as well. Yes. But, but, but yes, generally. Yeah. Let's bring you on this. I think the premise of the question was flawed, as in CRP, it was often correct to leave sacks on the ball deliberately. You shouldn't always be taking the sack on the ball. The question that matters is the is the expected value. So a little time, uh, just as an example, um, if you're just outside critical distance, um, your your opponent's columning defense is probably working. Your opponent's defense is working. Uh, if you leave a if you leave a somewhat dubious sack on the ball, it's a resource management game. He's spending resources attempting to sack the ball, yeah. and his defense will be in tatters. And then you just run through. And a lot of the time, even if he gets the sack, if he can't recover the ball afterwards, uh, you're usually no worse off than you were, or very little. It's just um, it's just branching probabilities. Yes, and even if even if they do sack you, and as you say, they don't recover, if they've used three or four pieces to do that, which are now out of position in terms of defending you, yeah. um, suddenly you've got the breakthrough. Um, I absolutely agree. I, I'm not sure I love that question. Um, as I think a lot of us have said, it, it's kind of the same as in CRP. If if popping that ball isn't going to secure that ball, then it, it's you know it, it's kind of a waste of time and a waste of resources doing it. And it's really like or, to pull you out of position. Or... On the other hand, Maybe... if popping it is going to put them under so much pressure that the next turn you will secure yeah. it, then it's the right thing to do. Or maybe not even secure it, but like, example against Tomb Kings in, in pouring rain, for example, yeah. you don't have to recover the ball necessarily because just you it will cause him to lose like one or two turns. Maybe not picking up the ball, and that can can be enough already. So that's my that, my issue with the question is this: always is it always the right? That there, I don't think there's any situation where you can say this is always the right choice to do. No, picking up on something Phil said as well, though. I mean, if you if it does look, if they stabilize super early, and it looks like all you're likely to get is a six up into the cage, or, or maybe a five up into the cage, then doing that fairly early 
will first of all give you other chances to do it later in the drive. And if you do that three times, the odds aren't as terrible as if you have just one time to do it. So recognising exactly where you are, what your you know, various outcomes are, what the rest of that drive is going to look like. And then have a look at that shot on the ball and ask yourself, am I going to get another? Am I going to get better? Um, or is it going to pull me massively out of position for maybe a 10% chance it, it goes my way? In that case, don't. Right, big question, reasonably easy answers. Let's see what the next one brings. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever given and who gave you've ever been given and who gave you that advice? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I think okay. I, I think we, we had that question last time or so on. So that's 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 easy for me. Okay. Um, I think um, at least at that time it was uh, when uh, when um, Potray Jeff Porrett, it was we were talking about, it and it was like this. Uh, when you think about what you're going to do, and that always uh, this the, make yourself aware of the difference between like first prize, second prize. A lot of people refer to it now as as risk reward strategy. Let's see how how likely is it to to get to the the perfect position or the perfect outcome compared to like the second best outcome and how risky is that to do and then like always evaluate that and you don't always have to have to go for the first price. Often enough, going for the second price will be much more valuable overall. Like. So, like, what was the estimated outcome? What is are the resources I put in? What are the risks I'm taking? How much m might I lose on players? And so then, I can definitely stop their driver. I can maybe turn it over and score. Yes, perhaps yes. I settled for the definitely drop stopping yes. the drive. As and that'll win me the game. For, for, for me, that was at that time in my development as a player was uh, also very good advice. It was like, I think it didn't necessarily say blood bowl, but there's some great blood bowl advice. Yeah. Uh, Dio, uh, what's yeah. the best advice you've been given, uh, and who gave you that um, advice? Well, I used to do with Wood Elves. I used to do a fairly generic offset offset defense, and then uh, a coach by the name of Purple Chest gave me an advice to move two players and shift them out, and that setup uh, got invented by Gnanik a couple of years after this, and uh, uh, um, I helped my immediate Wood Elf results, and it also made me think more about um, destabilization and refine my ideas on that. Did I invent the Gdanic defense without knowing it? I imagine someone else invented it a few years before that I'm as well. I'm sure they but... did. Um, but that's really interesting. Actually, what I was thinking about there was the destabilization of the um, stabilizing phase, not necessarily you know, anything about defense. It's about putting that mental pressure on instantly. Um, Phil, what's the best advice you've been given and who gave it to you? I think the first time you learn about one turning, either doing it or defending it, I think it's very rare that I come across somebody that's come up with that on their own. So I think that that first time somebody lets you in, either by doing it to you or showing you, I think that's that's a lovely bit of football advice yeah. that sort of blows your mind the first time you see it. Do you remember who the showed you that? I'm struggling. It will have been somebody on the internet. Um, yeah, I will have watched somebody on the internet. My mind would have been blown. All right, let's let's blame Pete. Let's call Pete W. Yeah. yeah, I was going to go with Pete W, but you've already called him now. I was going to say Pete W for saying you should play tabletop. A PC, um, which I do think is good advice and I should have done it 10 years earlier um, but I'm going to go with my Blood Bowl man crush which is of course Gagster um, saying to me that all the races are the same, it's only the numbers that differ uh, great advice uh, though not as good as his advice about listening to someone else's dice story 
which I think is fantastic and I now do it all the time but not with the same aplomb that he does because how could you um, okay let's grab another question this is taking too long we've got thousands of these left um, we could do literally another entire one of these I have enough questions how do you train your dice rolling skills to a the perfect amount of noise to double six ratio do you have dice rolling skills and how do you make sure the noise is right I think I overroll because I'm thinking while I'm doing it. And a couple of times recently, people have said to me, oh, I must be a good one. You rolled that for a long time. So I'm now really self-conscious about it. Okay. Dio. Us. I didn't think that was one that would grab you. Uh, Christian. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm, I'm not very conscious about, it, about, about the sound, to be honest. More like... I try to make sure before I lift the cup that the dice have finished rolling. Okay. It's, it's, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't think I, I can answer the, the question I, in the I, spirit was, was yeah, asked. I admit, yeah, all right, uh, I'm the one then. I do shake slightly harder when I desperately need that six. Uh, only slightly harder, yeah. but I, I admit it happens. Uh, when you desperately old... need a six, you hand roll that one, don't you? Surely. No. no I, <laughs> hand roll I, the re-roll. I, I show that I'm rolling and shaking I, I want them to know that it's properly rolled and shaked um, because when people just plop their dice I, I, I want to kill them um, an age-old question what race should you play if you're new to Blood Bowl it's a simple one race answer what race should they play if they're new to Blood Bowl CJ Christian Orc, Orcs or Undead okay you've managed to ignore the one race answer right out the yes. bat well done Dio don't listen to humans. me. I'm not in charge. Humans, okay. Phil? I was going to say humans. Uh, and I'm going to go with orcs. There you are. Easy. We like those questions. Uh, a train goes from Manchester, York, at the speed of 40 miles an hour. On the return journey, it moves at a speed of 80 miles an hour. If the return journey takes an hour less than the outward journey, why isn't Blood Bowl played with a D8? Well, dead air is great for the podcast, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you do occasionally see this. Uh, it's too random, make it a DA. Yeah. And I think people... Matt Dacker and Andy uh, Davo, both known to be in that camp. So I think, I think you know, both fine, upstanding individuals in their own way. I, I think that they're both overthinking it, and mm -hmm. people relate to D6. And, yeah. and they've got to remember that not everybody playing this with... Uh, in the same way that we're playing it. In fact, 90% of people, sadly, don't know you exist, PC. Um, incredibly. Incredible. Amazing. Amazing and upsetting. Uh, and they are really content with a thing that they are familiar with yeah. and with the skew of probability in the game. I'd say 90% of people that do Blood Bowl don't know I exist. And I think what they like about Blood Bowl is the familiarity of... It's based on American football that they kind of can get their head around that. It's got the Tolkien elements to the races. They can get their head around that. It's all mostly done with D6s. Where it isn't, those are in a very occasional roles around the fringes that you won't have to learn about when you get going into it. And I think a D6 is a really friendly shape that people like when they look at it. Uh, Christian, D8s is actually what that question was about. Should, fun, should Blood Bowl have D8s? Personally, I don't think so. The question is, I mean, what, what do you want to achieve? And it seems like... We want to remove randomness and make the game more like chess. And if that's the case, then go play chess. Dio, if you want less randomness, go play chess, not bring in D8s. Do you agree? 
Uh, yeah, D6 is uh, completely fine. I think what people forget is that it's very important that the weaker player has a significant chance to win each game, and typically between 25 to 30% is about right. And uh, any changes that, that make it so that weaker players lose too often are going to be very bad for the health of the game. D6 is uh, completely fine. Yeah. And the randomness is what, what, what keeps people in the game, because there's always this chance you have. Yeah. And if you reduce that, it's just a lot of a lot of the games will be over more quickly and and less interesting more quickly. So Absolutely. If it I was chess, it would I would never game. beat Phil. Um, but as it's Blood Bowl, there's a chance one day I do, if my yeah, confidence also... is high enough. And we'd also draw a lot, wouldn't we? What's Magnus yeah. Carlson's win rate? It's like fifty percent or something, because because of all the draws. So you know, you win more at Blood Bowl than you would at chess. How much do you think about the fluff when playing in the leagues? And how much do you enjoy the story of your team? Or is it just about playing the game and the mechanics? Dio, how much do you think about the fluff and the story of Zero your team? Zero percent. It's all about the mechanics. I wasn't shocked by the answer. Thank you for your honesty, sir. Phil, how much do you think about the fluff and the story of your team? Uh, very rarely. Uh, there are occasions. So in my local tabletop league, which I joined for a season, there was a an infamous skeleton. So it's an ongoing league, so they don't re-roll the teams. Uh, an infamous skeleton called Billy Bones, and I've been told the story of Billy Bones many times. Like he hoovered up all the random MVPs, had about seven skills. You know, did did marvelous and amazing things, and I've sort of enjoyed those stories to an extent. But my my bits do not care. Um, Christian, do you care? To be honest, not. Not too much. Um, I, tr I tried to, to make myself care a bit more by creating like uh, this uh, an adoption team that a lot of people also do on Thumble, where the coaches from the league then get to decide what skills, when to skill up, what to skill. So now it's like a hive team where people can say, okay, this guy is now taking a random skill, and or is waiting for for this to get a bit more more fluff there to team actually to to make myself be less like obsessed about about the pure mechanics. To, to enjoy it a bit more again. Yeah, you, you struck out here with this question. I couldn't give a one shiny shit about it either. Um, I, I do solely in so much as it drives user interest in my Twitch channel because I'm all about the Benjamins. Um, sorry about that, whoever asked that question, but, you know, at least you got honesty out of us. Okay, uh, next up. If you couldn't play Blood Bowl, what would you play or what would you do with all that time? Phil, what would you do with all your time if you weren't playing Blood Bowl? Uh, I would get about one weekend a month back, and uh, I think I would do the same that I do every other weekend, kids' parties and a taxi service. But what if uh, you weren't invited to a kids' party that weekend? Oh, I don't know. I'd probably waste it playing Xbox or watching more sport, the yeah. usual. Dio, what would you do if you weren't doing Blood Bowl? Um, well, the hours would be split about 90% on more chess study and 10% attending more races. That's that's you racing, isn't it? Yeah. Not going, hey, I'm, I'm black this week, or I'm Puerto Rican, not attending that sort of race. Uh, Christian? Probably playing other silly games more in the time. So it's, yeah. It's, I'm, I, also, I, also not very creative answer, I know. But it's, uh... I think I'd be playing Jagged Alliance 3 and other squad-based turn-based tactical war games. Because um, that's the sort of thing I love. Uh, oh, very linked question. Why Blood Bowl? You clearly all have excellent tactical thinking, but you could be out there playing games that don't have such a heavy ref reliance on RNG. So what is it that keeps you coming back after you've essentially learnt it 
to the point that luck is likely the thing that makes you lose. So what is it about an RNG-based game, considering your tactical genius level minds, gentlemen? Uh, Candle, you're laughing. I'm coming to you because of that. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I need the bloody RNG to, to win my games, because... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yes. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, uh, that's that's actually the, the thing that keeps me in the loop because it is how does it run on this? And yes, you you get the 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 upset when you get <sighs> steamrolled by a newbie or like like a few days ago, like yeah, yeah somebody I, pops into the cage, ball pops out into one, the one square where the catch is, into Texas, catches the ball, runs off, and you lose the game. Yeah, that happens, but it's that's also what 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 makes it interesting and and, and fun in my opinion. So. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I always said sometimes I get lucky, and I think that's what keeps me coming in Blood Bowl, um, is that I like that, and I like the fact that anyone can win any game. As long as they've learned the basics, anyone can win a game of Blood Bowl. I think that's fabulous. And that's the sort of game I want to be involved in. Uh, yes. Spence? And, and the... Uh, the RNG isn't a bad thing. It's uh, The variance is what creates the game. It's uh, You should think of it more as the field that we play on. And you've got you're swimming across a river, get to the other side and one of you will have a choppier path through the water than the other it's um it almost creates it like a, a roguelike atmosphere the game is a little different it's what keeps you coming back yeah the depth of strategy it Absolutely. increases the depth of strategy yes i've always said in any one game someone is always going to be unluckier um someone's always up against it in any game of blood Bowl. someone gets the worst dice in every game of blood Bowl. and not knowing if that's you and coping with it and, and still trying to thrive and survive is i think interesting phil uh, I think it's it's entirely plausible that there is a game more for me out there, but I'm not going to find it, right? It was entirely random chance that I started playing Blood Bowl. I don't have a Warhammer background. I don't have the time to pick up anything else. You know, let's MCP. So, you know, a good friend of mine's massively into MCP now, thinks it's amazing. I just haven't got the will or the time to bother. I think Blood Bowl was kind of random chance that i landed here i think the rng is at a really brilliant level like the other two have said i think it is endlessly fascinating like we were talking about chess before we went live and <clears throat> i had that point where everybody else started studying and understanding the books and i couldn't be bothered and i don't have to study in blood bowl because every game is very slightly different okay there are patterns that you recognize etc but every game is a i've got to, i've got to think myself out of this problem be it a dice problem or be it uh, how to maximise my position here if I'm already winning. It's, it just endlessly fascinates me. Um, so maybe there is another game that would be more endlessly fascinating, but I'm quite happy where I am. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to say there's a Tim Minchin song that's uh, an ode to his long-suffering but beloved wife that he met in, in childhood when they were both at school together and has been married to ever since and loves incredibly. Um, and the song is, if I didn't have you, I'd probably have someone else. And I think that's, you know, I think if we didn't have Blood Bowl, I'd have something else. Um, but I don't, because I like that RNG element to Blood Bowl. Uh, what's your most memorable Blood Bowl moment? Quickly on this one, although you can give me a long anecdote if you wish to. Uh, mine I've said before, I think it was probably taking three um, online Twitch players that have never played tabletop to third place in the UKTC. Um, that's the proudest I've been as a Blood Bowl coach. I was absolutely thrilled for all four of us uh, and nearly in tears about it and still choke up thinking back on it. Uh, I thought that was a great achievement and I'm proudest of that, my greatest moment in Blood Bowl. Phil? They are all indecipherable in-jokes from people that I've shared social things with around Blood Bowl, which I won't bore you with because they're not funny to anybody that wasn't there. 
Okay. Uh, the initiative. Uh, probably winning the teams competition with Dimmy. Uh, now we can sleep knowing that Dimmy has won something. Yeah, yeah, you made him the champ that he is. Okay. Uh, CJ. Well, um, I, I think I have to say, um, going to the 2004 Euro Bowl um, as, as a spectator and uh, seeing the tournament atmosphere for the first time, I was like, yeah, that's, I think, what got me hooked there. And then first I'm meeting people from, from online gaming and just seeing how, how, how this is going, what, what the community is like. It, was a it had a pretty huge impact. Clearly. Um, multiple rerolls a turn. I'm staying with you. Good or bad for the health of the game? What do you think, Christian? I would say n neither. It's just different. Personally, I'm not super f much a fan of it. I, I liked it more with the one reroll thing, but maybe because I'm more used to it. But uh, it's just different. Okay. Dionysian, good or bad for the health of the game? Awful. Why? It drastically reduces the um, the depth and complexity of the strategy involved in the game, and all while not reducing the length the game takes to play. So you've essentially boiled interesting turns in a game down to maybe a third of what they were. And uh, instead of trying to, with one reroll, a lot of it was like trying to edge out small advantages and which you accumulate throughout the game. Now you've boiled the interesting part of the game down to maybe a third of what it was, and without reducing the length, it's just bollocks. Okay, Phil? I am not a fan for all of the reasons stated, but also because where's the drama gone, right? So, you know, in the olden times, a Chaos Warrior would roll a double skull on the first block of a turn, it would re-roll it, and then for the rest of the turn, you were sat like, oh, yeah. it could be now, it could be now, and, it, and, it, and multiple re-rolls takes a bit of that away. Although, on the, on, you know, the other side of the coin is, most of the new coaches that I've met or newer coaches prefer it. So, you know, there is a there is an argument there that Yeah. It it is more forgiving. That's exactly where I was gonna people. go just to be against you all is to say I'm I'm not a fan personally, but I do think it's very popular with the new generation of players. So I can kind of live with it for that reason. I think they like it and expect it and are weirded out by the idea of not having it. So I'm prepared to live with it based on that but I do think it also helps me not them ironically uh, okay this is going to be a huge one so let's try and keep this as brief as we can in a reasonable way what are your top tips for becoming more competitive brackets better blood bowler Candlejack, play better your... people okay play 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 better people and learn from them Good. and do it in my opinion do it on tabletop because that helped me a lot getting better, getting more a grasp of the game instead of... Just okay, on so I'm, I'm going to let you have yeah. play better people, and I'm going to take play yeah. it in different formats. Um, so play Resurrection, play uh, Open League, play Tabletop, play Online, um, because that will give you a better sense of risk profiles and how they change in different situations. Um, Resurrection is a massively different risk profile because they all magically spring back to life and being able to sometimes bring that level of, of mindset to you know, a league game you're in, for example, can give you a power that other people don't have. Phil? Embrace it. Embrace being competitive. It's all right to be competitive. It's all right to play upper chest and a half time say, 
I thought this was really interesting. Why did you do this thing? Because I was thinking this, and if you'd gone over there, maybe this would have happened. And it's okay to have that conversation. And I think the other thing I would say is it's really easy to uh, fall into patterns that you're used to. So one of the early things that people do is take accurate on a thrower. Ah, oh, brilliant. I can throw the ball a long way now. And they'll continue doing it because it worked that time. Always question what you're doing. Question who the pressure is on at the moment in the game and what you could have done to change that. Good advice. Uh, Dionysian, this is a speciality of yours, isn't it? Let's come to you to, to wrap it up. What have we missed? Um, well, I love the answers given so far, especially the play better players. You're going to improve a lot faster if you put yourself in an environment where you're playing better players as much as possible, which is the main problem with ladders as the online competition is that you don't get that. Um, forget about the dice is the other one. Just uh, don't blame everything on dice. Think about your decisions. Good. I think that's enough strong tips for this, and we will do more episodes on that entirely. Uh, but for a, a short question, I thought that was some really strong answers for you there. hope that helps. Uh, would you rather fight 100 horses the size of chickens or one chicken the size of a horse? Dionysian, you've probably faced this one before, so let's start with you. 100 horse-sized chickens or one chicken, but it's the size of a horse? One chicken the size of a horse. Okay. Phil? I think chickens are big enough that a hundred horses would be a problem. I think if you've got one chicken, you can isolate a knee or something. I think that's the strategy. Okay, you're going yes. for a knee strike, I see. Christian? Yes, the chicken. Just think of the drumstick you get from that one. It's just like... Okay, your, your hunger-based ferality will, will take you to victory there. Yeah, I, um, I don't like horse meat, so... I stand alone. I'm going to take on the hundred horses. I don't think I've got it in me to take on a horse-sized chicken. Horses are big, or they can be. Uh, chickens got sharp beaks and nasty, nasty, kicky claws. I think a hundred yeah. horses. I'm big. As long as I don't fall over, I can just stomp on them and break backs. It'll take me a while, but we'll be knee deep, literally, in uh, in horse burgers by tea time. Uh, what's your opinion on how to balance underworld, Phil? How do we balance underworld? Swarming. Swarming what? needs to go away. Sorry. Take take swarming out and then tear them properly, and then we'll have a look. Yeah, I think tier one and drop swarming. I that I sign that. I think that will balance them. CJ. Yes, probably that's, that's what most people say. I don't have any better idea than that. So. Okay. Yeah. Dio. Obviously, remove swarming. There you are. We all think keep them tier one and remove swarming. Unanimity in our answer as a panel. I did not expect that. Uh, the into is integration between coaches from different regions and across different formats, important to the growth of the game. Is the fact that, I mean, NAF integrates your results with coaches from different regions and across the different formats, you know, should we get, I mean, that's kind of what I've tried to do always with this, get people from tabletop and online talking and understanding each other and get the painters and the hobbyists in as well and say it's all part of one thing. Is it, is it important So I think that's the I... game? I think it's a really good question, actually. So uh, we were talking about the NAF earlier, and obviously that is a big sort of melting pot we could get into at another time. But I mean, you know, so you're British, Dave. Yeah. If you think about what's been achieved with the UKTC, for instance, if you think about the number of Sinai people that have uh, come out and played for that, mm -hmm. if you think about uh, the, 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 the crossover between Fumble and Tabletop in terms of the NAF tournaments. I, I think all of these things help propagate a wider scene, and a wider scene helps propagate those big 
sort of nodes in the calendar. Um, so I think it is a good thing. I think it is important. Uh, we were talking about Team England and Eurobowl and things earlier. You know, there are some new people floating about on tabletop that should be in that conversation or should want to be in that conversation. Yep. Um, so I think it helps regenerate things as older people. For, so, you know, if you've gone off to play MCP and you're not into it anymore, we need we need new, fresh meat. So, yes, I think it's important. Okay. Um, dear Nissian. I mean, you've sure. famously made friends with the Welsh people and, and language and nation. Have you been there? I am Welsh. Okay, of course. Um, is it important that you Welsh people reach out to the rest of the world then? Well, mutual love and appreciation is better than not mutual love and appreciation and everyone going off to the little corners, so yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not a clique fan, and I know you're not either. Um, shag, marry, kill the other three members of the panel. I said, yeah, ask me anything. On. They've asked that. Uh, I'll go first to make it less embarrassing for you all. Shag, marry, kill. Um, shag, Phil. Marry Christian Kildia. <laughs> there you go. I'm not going to justify it. Except that I think CJ would do the housework and most of the cooking. So that's why he got married. Uh, Phil. Shag, well, marry, kill. Lance is going to make loads of money playing poker. So I'm marrying him. Okay. I think I am shagging yourself, Dave, because you would tell a wonderful story about it afterwards. <laughs> and uh, that. Uh, that only leaves sorry, that Christian. Marks Christian for death. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, uh, Christian, you have your chance for revenge. Shag, marry, kill. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, uh, I had to uh, go uh, uh, shag spans because then he has a reason to smile more. Okay. Uh, um, it's confidence yeah, in your performance. Yeah, well. that's that was that was awesome. Yes. I love that for self belief. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I got, got, got uh, Mary Phil because it seems easy to get along with. And yeah, then. I'm, sorry, I'm doomed. PC, I'm but doomed. I'm dead. Yes, yes. This is like, yeah. Somebody has to buy dust. So, yeah. Dionysian, they're after your money. Do they get it? Who are you going to shag, marry, and kill? Uh, shag Christian. Marry Phil because you want to hit that multiple times. And kill, <laughs> kill you. I'm, I'm dead you twice. <laughs> dead twice. Wow. Um,. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I, I can't argue with that, or I don't wish to. One of those two is true. Um, I think we can move on from that very quickly. PC has railed against hand-rolled dice, slow play, halfling coaches, people sitting at the ends of boards, lack of chess clocks, underworld coaches, dice towers, tight schedules, rules lawyers, skaven coaches, rudeness, and many other things. I lost track. Sorry. I'm not sure that's fair. I'm not sure I've railed against many other things. I think that is the list. Um... What's your pet peeve in Blood Bowl? Dionysian. Uh, lack of chess clocks. Lack of chess clocks is the thing that will stop me going back to tabletop. Phil. Uh, rounds that are too tight because I like to have a chat and a drink and sod your chess clocks. It's boring. Tight schedules and chess clocks both on my list. Uh, Christian. Uh, I say uh, people complaining about I only needed this two plus two to win the game, and ignoring the five up, six up, double power, fuck you move beforehand and stuff. You can, you you can, can just, just say me. You don't, don't have to dress it up. It's fine. Um, okay, okay, so, so it's dice, dice whiners for Christian. Christian. Uh, for, for me, from, from my extensive list of things I whine about, 
uh, I think it might have to be hand rollers. And I don't think people that roll them properly into a tray or something. I mean, either rolling them at my figures, seemingly trying to destroy the board every turn, or the ploppers. The creative hand, uh, exact attitude. I forget what it is. Anyway, the cheats. Uh, sorry, the hand rollers, yes. Um... Um, PC, people are echoing. I'm echoing. Yes, there are several people. Hopefully, that should now be uh, sorted out. We've unplugged and replugged. Should Slan die now? Um, yes. Phil? I think it is inevitable that Slan will die. Uh, that's why it's a sliding it's a sliding scale as to when you think the time is um i think early on somebody said that slam i think somebody in a position of power it might have been paul said that slam would never die and i think that's wrong i think slam will absolutely die um i think there'll be a tipping point when there are more people that don't remember slam than those that do and i think they'll die then christian should slam die no they're fun Fair enough. Dionysian, Spence. Well, if, the, if the question is should, then no, it would be a tragedy if they do, but I agree it's inevitable. An inevitable tragedy whose time is long overdue. Let them go. Turns out they don't really exist. What changes would you make to the current rule set oh, fuck me, in order to improve the game? There's a nice easy one. One change you would make to the current rule set in order to improve the current game. Dionysian, you must have one. <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, oh, revert multiple rerolls. Okay. Phil? Uh, I, I mean, one. Um, yep. So start, So I think rules as written, if you've got, the, if you got the, the book now today, stars are the big... I know we've got loads of coping strategies, and there's an errata and there's mega stars and all of that. Let's make let's make stars interesting again. Let's uh, not either just write them out or have them be bent. Let's just find a middle ground. Okay, question. Yeah, my issue is make one change because usually you would need to make other changes to avoid other issues. Like Spencer, remove multiple rerolls. Okay, but then you might have to adjust other things that will crop up. So maybe just you need them then to be a, a small change that does not have too much side effects and so then I would say maybe maybe uh, get an, an, an eye uh, like uh, mechanic for, for, for the fouling again. Yeah, for those that don't remember the, the I, I've got my eye on you was a mechanic where if yeah. you fouled, instead of being sent off on a 1 in 6, your second foul would be 50% because the ref was keeping an eye on you. If they opposition then fouled, he then started keeping an eye on them yeah. so he could flick back and forth between the two teams. Yes. But that, whoever the eye was on, enough, it was 50% yeah. chance to be thrown out. The question is like asking us to take a twig out of a bonfire, by the way. Yes, that's, that's, that's the issue. It, it wasn't the question. The question was solved the whole rule set, yeah. but you know, we'd be here yeah. all night, and, and that deserves its own episode if we're going to do that. Um, for me, if there was one change, it's um, firstly, stop fucking with goblins and making them worse. And then maybe, maybe just maybe, think about trying to get their win rate up over 35%. I think that would be a reasonable goal. Yeah, but that's not, not a change. That is an effect you want to have. What would be the change to do that? Make Doom Divers reasonable again. 
take the random 1d3 off swoop, so it's just d3. It just rolls 3. You've already hurt their landing. They still can't dodge. There's no reason to change the swoop as well to make it a 1d3. It could still be 3. Um, what would you change in pro elves so they weren't so difficult for many to play? Uh, my answer is nothing. Some teams should be difficult for people to play, and their win rate's fine. Phil? I took the words right out of my mouth. You didn't give me a chance to think of a different answer. That's the answer. I should get to answer first sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that is the answer. Okay. Dio? Nothing, but I would reject the premise that they're difficult to play. Okay. Yes. Uh, and CJ? Yes, it's, it's exactly uh, like who says they're different to play and why, because then you can decide what you change for them. I figure people have issues because like slow, slow linemen with low armor and rather fragile, but they're still okay. So yeah, I think I think they're difficult for new players, right? Because everybody's the same when they pick up Blood Bowl. All the models get smished together, and then you've got slow elves who haven't got any yeah. skills to help them dodge away. And they've got low armor, right? Yep. So yeah, that'll be why they're difficult, quote unquote. So the, the the way out of that would be to make them faster yeah. or give them dodge or that, make them more elves. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more difficult than maybe other elves, like that start with dodge a lot, like wood elves, as, as you yep. said. So or with armor, like the other two. Yeah, it's always like it's 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 it's, it's relative. Like they're, they're maybe more difficult than some other teams, but they're in itself they're, they're not that difficult once you understand the game a, a bit. The answer so to elves maybe, is maybe, maybe very, very simple. Yeah, no, except they're not dark elves. They're the fouling that, elves. Yes. It's, they're the fouling elves. They are the cheapest elves, yeah. so the fouling is probably more viable for them than others, yes. Um, the answer to elves yeah. is simple to me. There's no problem with pro, there's no problem with woodies. They're distinct and they're fun and they're elfish. Uh, dark yeah. elves have too many positionals. Take two blitzers away from them and people will have to use either assassins or runners or um, uh, what's the other one they have? Witches, Witch of elves? course. Um, so you'd still have eight positionals available and give those two blitzers to high elves who could then lose two catchers, making pro elves slightly more unique as the four good catcher elves. And I think that solves elves overnight. You might have to give dark elves a tiny buff because you've taken two blitzers off them. Um, you know, give assassins a point of armor or something. It would all be fine. But I think that would give you more distinct and more fun elves. Uh, do you think the UK Blood Bowl Canada needs more team events, maybe two or three people teams? There is a new one kicking off in Kent in March of next year. I've already signed up to go. Uh, do you think it needs more team events in the UK scene? I'm going to ask a German player. Uh, Candlejack, what do you think? Do, does, does the UK need more team events? Notably, there is more longer events in Germany, isn't there? You're more likely to go to a two-dayer. Yeah, well... Um... I don't think it would hurt, but I don't know if 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 uh, the UK t UK scene needs more. Like, uh... okay, sorry. No, that's fine. I thought get you out of like... the way early because you probably don't have much of a view on it. Um, Dio, do, does a Welshman have any view on on the UK? That is, you're still part of the UK. You know, we still own you. Um, should we have more team tournaments for maybe two or three people teams? Yes, yes. The more team tournaments, the better of all different kind, all different sizes of teams. Sure. Phil? It is my favourite kind of Blood Bowl. It is great. I think you probably could have too much of a good thing. I think that is possible. Um, you could, and you've got, to st you've got to think that uh, putting on team events is more difficult than putting on singles events as well. Uh, so we've got one big Lightning Rod one. We've got the new Camp one, as you say. There's a couple of like doubles tournaments. I wouldn't be adverse to one maybe two more at the ends of the country, perhaps. But 
it would be bad if every week was a team yeah. event, I think. I like what Kent's doing with having, uh, it's a 14-person event, or you can have five, but then you have to rotate the fifth person through. Or they can play in a team if someone doesn't turn up. Or if there's enough people, the fifth players can form a team and take part. Um, so there's lots of ways of ensuring that even if you go singly, they're now advertising single tickets as well, that you can still take part. Um, which I think is a nice innovation in that team events. But yes, more team events. I like it too. But I do worry we reach saturation. I know is, the Dota team is that an innovation? seven Having... teams. Is that I, an innovation? Hasn't Camdab, I, Cam, Camdab always done that, singles? I didn't know. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, and if you think about, so if you think about some of the big European team events, so Bill Bally, for instance, you can go as five players and they'll, they'll mess about with that to make sure everybody gets a game and stuff. But I, I think the, the way that Kent are doing it is quite explicit and quite, it's quite, well, it's quite good how they've uh, advertised it. So maybe that's why you picked up on it. Okay, this is a bugger. Um, someone has spotted that we are all known to play team events. They're offering us a choice. Before the, the night before the event, a devil appears to us and says, you will win the singles, but your team will be devastated and lose almost every game. Or you personally will do badly, but the team will get a win. Which would you pick? Uh, I know what everyone is going to say to this. Christian, which would you pick? Depends on what team I'm in. Okay. <laughs> you well, surprised me already. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, of, of course, usually I would like the, the, the team to do well. Um, so that's... But that's... Um, like something for Euroball, of course, the team should win if if if, if it gets Grover. If it's maybe something like get thrown into a team of people I don't know, then I don't give a shit. Okay, um, Phil. Oh, you know the answer: team win, always team win. I mean, like, so we had. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, UKTC this year. One of our team members did very very badly. He was sort of an integral part of the weekend of the social of the team like you know it doesn't matter if you're not contributing points it, which he know, didn't he, he absolutely teams. didn't he, he didn't have his best his best weekend uh, no. but he contributed in all other ways yeah he was there um dio team win team win obviously it's like um get the um the best individual there are some people that will with the three worst players they know yep. the team event and uh, it always seemed like the most tedious thing possible yeah none of us I think are quite at that level of evilness um, and I think PW plays with his son just because it's nice to spend that family time together um, his son of course actually capable of being on just about any team that would have a, a good Blood Bowl players on it so I am joking uh, the team every single time you know it, it's nice to do well but when you're on a team you want the team to do well it's much much more important uh, as the question said we're all team players and we're all team players unless it's a team full of randoms in which case yeah that might be slightly more tense should we do the final personal questions because we're getting towards the point where I should start to think about wrapping up and we've, we've got plenty more questions to go but we might do one or two after that uh, we went first with Dio last time so this time we're going first with Christian um Give me a number between one and four, please. Three. Will there ever be better graphic fumble client? A better graphics fumble client, in your opinion? 
Well, um, uh, I think people know that there, uh, there are some some people working hard on making larger graphics and better graphics for the for the player icons, and so I'm I'm sure it will be done. But um, I'm, I don't do I, I I can't do graphics, so I'm I'm not involved in that. But uh, I'm 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 very sure it will be at some point in the future. Okay. Far, far uh, away. A number between one and three, please. Oh, two. Uh, where do you see online Blood Bowl going in the future? Will we ever have a VR version with total immersion? Will I be standing on the sidelines coaching my dwarves? Personally, I hope not, because I would just puke all of it, uh, probably. This is, um, I, I'm, I'm sure somebody will come up with, with it, because people like to play with things. I kind of doubt it will be like something mainstreamy or, or will be taken off too much but some, some prototype will be around I'm pretty sure two questions left one or two A or B uh, well two then any plans to make spec chat visible to players on Fumble in the Twitch era it seems silly that it isn't um, n not from my side and well maybe we, we can rethink this um, this is it has to be. I, I don't agree with the question, by the way. I'm just asking. Out yeah, yeah. So just no, it's it, it's it's a it's a valid question to 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 rethink current constraints we have, um, because like yeah, nowadays people could just like get get coaching as as we had to, uh, on 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 the streams and stuff, and that way would at least be visible to, to both sides. And uh, I mean, if you play on 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 the board, you can talk to people. So, yeah, maybe, maybe okay. that can be revived, but no plans so far. And it's your choice. Do you want your final question? Yes. Your final Always question want. is, there's a new breed of young German, but not German, tabletop players. Is that a good thing? I think I'm not quite sure I understand the I think question. They're referring, referring to the likes of Stor and Volcajo declaring themselves well, to be new, either Andorran or from Ladonia. Yes, but like new or young is something that. Well, um, I don't think either. Well, there, there are more people in the community, and 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 they're good people. So yes, that's that's a that's a good thing. And if they want to play for for the German team at one point, that's their call. So does it worry you I they've see... declared themselves for Andorra and Ladonia? Why well, no? It's just nothing to worry about. It's just if if they want to do that. Personally, I think it's a bit silly, but okay. It's uh, each to to their own. Um, okay. Personally, I would say say if 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 I was was captain, it was about to choose people, then I would actually be, be straight and say, okay, you have set Andorra or Ladonia on on your nav profile, then um, I would consider you as a freebooter. But I will pick, pick <laughs> other people first. Because yeah, me too. If, think, if, if you want to play, if, if you want to play this game, then yeah, I, I think we should have. Doesn't it take three years or something to to change nationality under FIFA rules? I think it, it was, should be the same. It's for like, now. Something like if, if if you change it, then you have to wait a few years until you can change back, so, so to avoid like people flipping just nationalities. But it, it's more like I think a, a rhetorical uh, issue because yes, sometimes people move to a different country, and then it's more than fine. To like switch the the nationality like like we have with a core in, in England, um, like Keith from Germany moved to Switzerland and, and lives there now for years, and so it's just absolutely completely sensible for him to play for Switzerland. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Phil, uh, one to four, please. 
I, I'm I'm boozled. Kristen, have you got Blood Bowl dog out trousers on? Uh, no, it's it's uh, not the trousers. It's 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 uh, my Blood Bowl blanket, a gift oh, from wow. my very supporting girlfriend. Well, she's excellent, and I was yeah, she, she's the best. One, please. Uh, when do you feel pressure playing Blood Bowl? All the time. All the time. I always feel uh, right in the middle of a pressure cooker situation. Is part of, of that, I like about. the pressure of being purple goo? There's no pressure to being purple goo, is there? Isn't there? Why? why? Why would I feel pressure? Isn't there an expectation of you to be excellent at Blood Bowl at all times? Uh, if there is, I don't feel that. I only, I, I'm, for the two hours that we're playing, I feel very highly strong. Okay. Um, but I don't feel anything additional because... Because of who you are. Uh, question one, yeah. two, or three? One. One mediocre streamer and Blood Bowl player said confidence was all it would take them to beat you. Are they right? Anybody can beat me. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, one or two, A or B? One. One is, have you ever considered making content? And there's content in inverted commas. YouTube, not, Twitch, yeah, writing articles. Really. So, contributing to something like this, I really enjoy. I've done bits and bobs when I was an FTD. I wrote sort of tournament blogs and things. But I think if I were to do content around trying to uh, do tactics and strategy stuff... I think I would be frustrated with my attempt to articulate what I meant. I've heard Spence talking this evening, for instance, and I couldn't use that language uh, in that expressive way that he does to get his point over. I think that would annoy me. So, no. Okay. Uh, do you want your final question? No is an acceptable. Yeah, hit me. Okay. No, no, what did you make of the Mount Goo nickname? And did you have a Mount Goo when you were coming up? Uh, Mount Goo, for those that don't know, um, Phil was top of the Fumble rankings for, for several years. Number one, if you looked at you know, competitive rankings. Uh, and from some people, that earned him the nickname Mount Goo, an insurmountable pinnacle. So I, I guess the reason why I was top of the Fumble rankings for so long is because I didn't play very much. And because I didn't play very much, I wasn't very involved with the Discord and the surrounding chat. So I was only very loosely aware of this nickname. Um, come on, Fumble CR. I'm sure it is better now, but we all know how we do it. Everybody on this phone call could be number one in a month if they wanted to be. It, it's meaningful, sort of. Probably everyone work. on this phone call has been number one. Well, yeah, there you go. And certainly so you it, and I have, and I think Spence probably has. It's meaningful in a way in that, you know, the people that, win games are high and most of the people that win games are good. good. It, it's not, being number one is not a thing to cover. I think okay. there were long-term number ones when I was coming through. Um, was there anything you had as a real target, as a real, I want to play them, I want to be as good as them, I want to be thought of like them? As soon as I'd worked out that rankings were uh, whatever you wanted to make them, no. Fair enough. Uh, Dionysian, Maximum Derek, Papa loves me big, big time. Uh, I have questions left for you. Pick a number between one and four. One. Uh, why did you take down your YouTube channel? No comment. Next question. Uh, one, two, or three. 
One. Are you coming back to the tabletop naff scene, or are you still done with naff tabletop? Um, at the moment I'm done because the rule set is the dumpster fire, down times are shortening and there's no chess clocks. But I mean, I mainly want the chess clocks because of the round time shortening and like the pressure on the venues. Like Phil was like, oh, let's have long rounds. That would be great. And then like the chess clocks wouldn't be such a big deal. So yeah, it would need something to improve either rule set or playing conditions to be more friendly to competitive players. Yes, there was a, a London tournament on the Friday, which I want to go to because the weekend I might be taking my daughter to university, and they had three rounds in six hours with no breaks. So I wrote and said, well, then I, I can't come to that. I don't want to force myself to try and play at that speed. He said, well, what's a good round time? I said, at least two hours 15, ideally more, and with a break in between. So he said, right, it's now three rounds of two hours 15, no breaks. So I sort of feel I've got to go because he went, so I've done that for you. I went, all right passive-aggressive much, I guess I'll come. But I still think that's going to be too quick. Uh, you've got two questions left, A or B. A. Quantity or quality for matches at a beginner, medium, and higher level in Blood Bowl? Let's just say, should they, people be looking, if they're trying to get better, at quality or at quantity for their matches? I, both. You start with um, quantity. I've literally just done this learning the rule set. You start with quantity, and you don't worry too much. You just spam out the games. Yep. You build up your pattern database, and then you focus down. Like next um, trophy season, I will probably only be playing 60 games or so. so They'll be high-quality games instead of spamming 200. Right. So that was a learning process for you. You knew what the end result of that 1,000 games yep. in a month thing was. Cool. Uh, do you want your last question or not? Sure. Um, how much of what you say is serious? At least 73.4%. I will take that as an answer. Thank you very much for your answers. I only passed on one. I thought that was quite brave. Um, do we, should we do my last four? Yeah, sure. Give me an answer between one and four, please, Dio. One. Richard Burton once said he would rather have played for Wales at Arms Park than Hamlet at the Old Vic. Would I rather have played for Wales in Euro Bowl or Hamlet at the Old Vic? Um, I, I think I might actually have been offered a... a seat on what was sort of Team Wales for Euro Bowl once um, it, that's easy for me I'd rather, uh, even though Hamlet is not a role I should play, I'd rather play Hamlet at the Old Vic uh, a thousand times over actually in that play I should play uh, the king whose name escapes me um, his uncle who killed his father that's the better role for me and always was because um, Hamlet's a wanker who uh, can't make his fucking mind up and just get on with what obviously needs doing it could be Macbeth any time, that's a proper play uh, okay, give me a number between one and three, please, Phil. Three. Three. Um, is there anything I wouldn't cover on One World, One Blood Bowl? I can't think of anything. Um, I mean, anything I felt was inappropriate content. So, I mean, I've, I've railed in the past about, for example, Stormtrooper Blood Bowl players. That's No one needs that. No one needs Nazis on the field. Um, anything I thought was sexist, homophobic, or hateful in that way, uh, definitely not. Um, there's a tournament where everyone took their tops off. I thought that was kind of inappropriate and not very friendly to lots of people that would want to go. Not just people of different genders. I mean, I wouldn't want to take my top off, and neither would you want me to take my top off. So the content like that, content that isn't, I think, appropriate for a big, wide community, I wouldn't cover. But uh, everything else is fair game as far as I'm concerned. If we're out there doing it, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, two left. Uh, CJ, give me a number between one and two. Two. 
Uh, I've been streaming Jagged Alliance 3 a lot recently and holding plenty of viewers. Do I see the future of my Twitch channel or just a deviation? I don't know that my Twitch channel has a future. I don't know that my Blood Bowl has much of a future. Um, certainly Jagged Alliance 3 I'm enjoying playing. I mean, holding an audience, I, I get 20 to 30 people. That's not enough to really be anything other than me doing it for myself. So that's why I'm doing it. It's because I'm enjoying that game. I still love Blood Bowl. I still will stream Blood Bowl. But yes, I have been streaming Jagged Alliance 3. No, I don't think it's the future of my channel. There's your answer. Uh, everyone else has said yes to the final question, so I will too. Uh, where do I see me and Blood Bowl going once the 2023 World Cup is over? Yeah, I. and this is someone I'd mentioned it to before. Um, I don't know. Because of this rule set, I'm not not feeling quite the same about Blood Bowl as I used to. Blood Bowl 3 is a, a... You know, talk about the rule set being a dumpster fire. Blood Bowl 3 is still an absolute pig to play. It just is so difficult to make Blood Bowl happen there in the way you want Blood Bowl to happen. Uh, and that feels really restrictive to me. I don't like what they're doing with it and the way they're going with it. I'm not crazy about the new rule set. I'd love playing tabletop. It might be I just do a few of those a year and play a lot less Blood Bowl. Or maybe the World Cup will reinvigorate me. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't know, is the honest answer. So I'm going to stick with that. Honesty seems like a good thing. Do we have time for a couple more, gents? I have kept you, you know, an hour and 50 minutes. Can we push on for 10 more minutes? We'll do two more and then why wrap up? I'm more than happy to carry on. Yeah, I, 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 I'm itching to get we've got, into... We've got a whole... The rules aren't that bad, really. A whole load of them <laughs> still to go here. Um, we're never going to get through, through them midnight. all. Okay, how important is the theme to the success of Blood Bowl as a competitive game? So the whole fantasy races play American football. How important to that is that to the success of Blood Bowl, would you say? Dio? I think it's probably harmful to the success of Blood Bowl because it was a competitive game because it encourages aggression, which is really bad for the health of the game. Okay. Uh, Phil? I, I don't think it helps the competitive nature of the game. I think it helps the game be interesting because it gives us the theme of it being a pitch and scoring and direction and, you know, the, the, it gives the mechanics a name. But I certainly chimes with me. That's why I play it or started playing it, I think. Christian? I think it's it's great for getting people interested in the game because it's uh, something a lot of people can, can rate to that people find, like, like cool or fun and, and just the idea of having an, an elf and a dwarf uh, play play this kind of game and especially as, as fantasy is more and more mainstream and uh, I agree like it, it's for, for, for like the competitive part it has not much merit maybe it's, it's encumbering in some way but I think it's it's, it's, it's vital because it's, it, it gets people in the game and, and keeps helps the, the player pace, pace to grow. And so, mm -hmm. a lot of people get into and get, get out again, but some stick and that is good. I'm not sure I'd go as far as vital. I do think it's important. Um, I think a lot of people come to it because, as you say, they recognize American football, they recognize the Tolkien-esque races, and they can put those together in their head a lot easier than say, you know, I'm going to use a ruler to move a super soldier to kill a space elf. Uh, I just don't think that has the same recognition in people's consciousness as a game of American football set on a recognisable pitch does. So I think it helps over that barrier of sitting down to play a, a tabletop war game because it doesn't feel like it is. Uh, what's your favourite book? This should be very simple. Uh, Catch-22 for me, boring, but yeah, it's just the best book ever written. Phil? 
I'm just looking over to my bookshelf. Uh, in recent years, I've read Joe Abercrombie's trilogy and surrounding books. And I think they're, they're good fun. Uh, Christian? Um, don't think I have a favorite book. Um, I, I like the Discworld series a lot. Okay. Uh, Dio? Crime and Punishment. Okay. Nothing by Luke Reinhardt then. And what's the most interesting tournament you've been to? And which tournament would you love to attend but haven't? Uh, I'd love to go to Lutice. The I hear the catering is fantastic, uh, but also Thorbell. Uh, the most interesting one I've been to. I don't go to many interesting ones. Um, I'm always I'm always interested in going to the UKTC. I think that's always an incredible scene, and you see lots of good international players. That's fun. Uh, you are three, I think, more widely travelled than I. So, um, Christian, let's start with you. What's the most interesting tournament you've been to, and is there any tournament you'd love to go to but haven't? A lot of tournaments I'd love to go to and have not been. Um, if I have to pick one, I think I have to say Chaos Cup, just to be on, on the other side of the pond for, for once, and, and this is a, a big one there. Most interesting. Um, oh, I think for something uniquely, um, I'll have to say the, um, the bubble in Utrecht has been, it has been a separate iterations, but the one when the... They they kind of tiered races like like tier points, and you had to choose two two teams of these five points. So like if if you take widows, you had to take something like halflings or something in the middle, and then you had to decide on each day which of those two teams you want to play, and had to like think ah, are the other people going to take the strong teams now or the weak teams? And uh, I, I thought that had a nice nice touch. Nice Does sound as, an uh, interesting wrinkle, uh, Spence. Yeah. The most interesting would be the Welsh National Championships. Okay. There's always a foreign contingent attending, and it's obviously the most prestigious competition in the world to win. And the one I'd most like to attend is probably whatever the American major is, for obvious reasons. Which is the Chaos Cup again. Uh, Phil? It's a good time to be asking this question. The most interesting UK tournaments next weekend. So that's Monkey Bowl. It's got a fantastic rule set where you pick two teams, you take two teams with you, you can use them each three times over a six-game weekend. Like There's a card system, you put your card down, your opponent puts the card down. There's really heavy tiering, both in teams and in skills. So uh, block is worth four times a armbar, for instance. Uh, it's, it's great crack. The um, uh, It's traditionally one of the strongest fields in the UK as well. It's just got everything going for it. It's great. Competing time-wise with Thread Bowl, though, isn't it? Is that the same weekend as Thread? So we've got Thread down south and Monkey Bowl up north? Yeah, I mean, Thread, Thread attracts a very different yeah. audience. Uh, so uh, Thread, Thread is great for many reasons. Yep. Um, me, I'll be I'll be getting on... I, I, Monkey Bowl's something I wouldn't miss every year. Okay. Um, yeah. I think, it's still hard to pull, isn't it? I think no, we need think to move now, to finishing. Good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask one more question, and then there's going to be a special wrap-up to get rid of all the rest of the questions. If redrafting comes to Blood Bowl, which races will be winners and losers? Uh, just a couple of each, guys. Uh, Dionysian, if redrafting does finally come, which races do you expect to win and lose? Uh, no comment. No, I can't push you to anything at all. Not a single thing you think oh. that will work. Nope. No comment on that this time. Until you've seen data or experimented yourself. All right, Phil, I'm going to let him get away with it. 
I mean, I don't know. I'm not very good at min-maxing. I've never tried particularly. Um, this is effectively enforced min-maxing, isn't it? Um, to some degree, yeah. So, so I guess dwarves on Amazons would probably be very good at it. And I suppose things that are very expensive and find skills hard to come by wouldn't be very good at it. So, I don't know, nobility, probably not very good at it, I imagine. But then they're not very good not at really. anything, are they? No, no. I've not really thought about it. In Team that's shit yeah, at Blood Bowl also shit in Redraft. A stunning revelation. Uh, CJ? Um, I think Guppy will be stuff like Necros or Lizards with uh, plays that are hard to skill up and take a long time. So like Golems or Wrath are a pain to, to get skills to. Um, or Soros with uh, like um, without uh, the, the selective MVP. So like you get some points on them and then you have to redraft. So we want to carry them over for the points but then you have to pay for them. So it's going to be, be a pain. I think Teams will do well that can easily put points on on selective players. So I guess Underworld will have like a good big guy and 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 a good uh, gutter runner, and the rest will get, just gets shafted. Or I think also Wood Elves or Elves are chance say okay, I want to score with that guy, and it's gonna be rather easy to do that. And those teams will likely prevail. Maybe Dwarves Amazons will be good as well because they can just recycle generically but it's... I think a huge amount is going to depend on how redrafting is implemented obviously my prediction is slightly weird I think we're going to see the teams that have good across the board players like Amazons and Dwarves uh, and the Elf teams do quite well uh, for a season in redraft I think in season 2 and possibly season 3 they're going to be very powerful but I think actually the teams that can keep a core of one or two legendary players and surround it with filth and do well are the ones that will do well out of redrafting longer term. So, you know, you can think of Skaven with, say, two legendary gutter runners, and yes. pretty much if the rest can be filth every season, and you can put a few skills on them, and then at the end of the season you're just rehiring your legends and dumping all the rest again. Yes. So right, I, have I actually think the, one... yeah, the, the tower, the, the tall rather than wide, I think wide will do well yeah. if you understand that term for the first couple of seasons of redrafting, but then we'll see tall uh, come through. Yes. But I, we see that now, don't we? So there are a couple of people absolutely making bank in black box just by having one or two legends and a load of old rubbish, yeah. and it, it it doesn't doesn't strike me as a very exciting or interesting way of living your life. But if you just want to grind out wins against hapless people that are trying to play differently, I mean, I do think dwarves will be fabulous after one season's redraft. But I think after two or three, they'll fall apart. You can't keep a whole wall of guard, and without it, they fail to all the strength. Probably not. You need to find a way to have some good players, and then. Not so uh, lower players ready to to skill up soon. So like, yeah, Skaven can can well with uh, one or two good gutter runners, and then when the legend gets too expensive to hold, you have one already ready to skill up in, in that season, the last season, to hand like over the legacy or something. So that's having replaceable, highly um, scorable players. So else, Skaven, yeah. I've got a question from the chat, our first one of the night, or the first one I haven't completely ignored, uh, because it's from a new person. We're going to say thank you and listen to it. Uh, the OG Star Fox says, where can you go to watch Purple Goose games? Do you record any of your games, or do you play in any competitions that are recorded or streamed? I think, no, the short answer to all of that is no, I don't record any of them. You can go and watch my fumble replays, yeah. I guess. Uh, I, I normally, these days, I'm pretty tired by the time I fumble like I wouldn't 
like everything that I do on Fumble is uh, fantastic. But I play in a thing called um, the Super League. On which you Fumble, did just which... win, didn't you? Yes, I did just win. And it but has about going... 200 people of the best coaches across the world playing in it, doesn't it? What I was going to say is that that is uh, probably the, the highest quality thing on Fumble um, in terms of depth of coaching. It's insane. So just go and fire up that league and watch any of the top five divisions, any games from there. Including you, who just won it. Yes. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) um, Have we asked asked everyone on that one, haven't we? Good. Um, Did we ask you about redrafting, by the way, Phil? What's your view on that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we went we didn't we? It's getting old. Right. Um oh, I kinda wanna ask this to everyone, but we're not going to. So I'm gonna read out all the rest of the questions. I want you each to grab one in your head, ready to answer at the end. So that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna throw all the rest of the questions away, and whichever one appeals to each of you, you can answer that one. Your choice is between what's the best non megastar? If the four of us had a tournament playing each other twice over, where would all four of us place? Uh, is 2020 rule set good, okay, or rubbish? Uh, what do you do to improve your game? Uh, who shot first, Han or Greedo? Uh, who do you regard as your? What do you regard as your biggest life achievement? God, I hope it isn't in Blood Bowl. Are you ever not confident going into a match? How do you build confidence? Uh, what is your best game of Blood Bowl for whatever reason? Jam first or cream first on a scone? Of course, if it's jam first, you are Devonian. Uh, no, uh, Cornish. Sorry. Sorry to my Cornish friends. Uh, my answer is put butter on first, then the jam and then the cream. Obviously, Devonians are crazy. Um, why do people concede so much in Blood Bowl 2 and 3 but not in Fumble? We are also missing out on have stars been tamed to a suitable level because uh, Fumble is stopping megastars in competitive and NAF tournaments often heavily penalising them. We're also missing out on uh, hero clicks. Any view, would you ever use one? I had to do some research on that. Hero clicks appears to be a small 32 mil player that's been pre-painted uh, and sold in a box. Uh, I didn't know that, but now I do. Uh, what is the perfect day for you? Uh, any of you used? Did any of you used to be dice winers, and how did you overcome that and outgrow it? Blood Bowl Three does it tempt you? What do you consider the biggest barrier to entry to be when it comes to playing Blood Bowl at tournament level? You are. Certain someone playing against you is cheating. Ref offers no solution. They weren't there. What do you do? As a team, do you think Nurgle are competitively viable? Only a couple more. What's the most fun Blood Bowl team in Blood Bowl 2020 for both you and your opponent winning or losing? And why is it High Elves? What is your NAF name, Twitch name, Fumble name about? And how did you choose it? Lego figures in Blood Bowl, yes or no? Quick one, this, I think, easy. Lego figures in Blood Bowl, yes or no? Candlejack? No. Dio? Yes. Phil? No. Yes. As long as I know what it is, fine. Uh, What are the rules for swarming? 
I got the rules for swarming wrong recently. Okay, um, I knew that. That's why it was in. You don't hilarious. have to choose that one. And have you ever cosplayed, would you, and as what? So those are your questions to choose your final answer as we say goodnight at the end of this incredible, wide-ranging, incredibly weird, and slightly random Ask Me, by which I mean us, anything. Uh, Dionysia, which question did you select? Um, obviously, how do you improve? And what are you going to say? Um, you take on more unconventional positions, which will be very familiar to the people that used to watch my stream. It's that maybe 90% of the games I play, I'm winning is not a primary goal for me. I want to take on an unconventional position, build up my pattern database, and then you have more chance of winning. So I think what people should be mainly focusing on is pick one thing they do. For me, it used to be blitz bits. And, uh, and the rest of your play is mainly geared around trying to improve so that you'll be better at that. And that's the only thing you care about winning in. The rest of it, you get yourself into an unconventional position, build your pattern database, then try and win from there. Fair enough, Phil. What question did you choose? I'm going to be really boring and go back to the rule set, okay. right? Which which is going to be really annoying for everybody. But I've heard the words dumpster, dumpster fire used too many times, and it's triggered me. Right? Okay. Good. These rules are not as good as previous rule sets. I'm not having that argument. However, if you were to come to Blood Bowl from absolutely nothing, you would still think it pretty bloody cool. I think. I think we are 90% of the same game, and you know, we're not on fire to the point where I want to put my toys away. And I'm not only having that argument because I've got no other games to go to, as discussed earlier. <laughs> um, it, it's very difficult when something you love and are fantastic at changes. And I do wonder how much is ab reaction to that. Um, me, I love change. I, I thrive on it. And do you know what? I've seen it loads in 20 years on Fumble. I've seen lots of different rule sets, lots of different ways of ranking people. The same names always bubble to the top. Um, it's because they're good at the things that make them good at bubble. It, it's not, it's not complex. CJ, what question did you pick, and what are you choosing to answer? Uh, I, I, I kind of kind of blank because there were so many. Um, okay, what do you consider I, to I, be I, I will the first one? Uh, All that right, is, yeah, that's the best non. I think that's Varak. The best it's... non non megastar is Varak. Yeah. yeah, not not the white dwarf Grumbindel. No, Varak is a machine. It's just Grombrindel's a Swiss army knife. Gives out whatever you need that time. Yeah, sure. And and Varak just kills stuff. He does. He does do that. Okay, um I'm gonna go with uh, a really, really obvious one. Because it's very important that this is said. Um it was Han. Every time. I mean can there be any doubt in anyone's mind it was Han. Han shot first. That's why he's an anti hero, not a hero. Uh, doesn't mean he's a bad person, just means he's an anti hero. Does he put jam or cream on first? Uh, he would definitely, definitely put jam on and cream on top because he's an, you know, he's an anti-hero. He'd do it with a smirk, and like me, he'd have a little bit of butter first. I think. I just don't think he's one of those insular people that would want the cream and then the jam on the top. I just think those people are finickety. Uh, now, I've been asking lately: Is there anything I should have asked but haven't? Is there anything the world should have asked us but hasn't? This is your one moment before we say goodbye. Anything that should have been asked to us this evening? But the world, for some reason, did not. Dio, anything there? No, super. Phil, I don't think so. I didn't answer the what tournament haven't I been to? That okay, like to go sorry, to. Uh, it's getting late. I haven't been good with my yeah, getting no, around sorry. us all. What tournament haven't you been so, to that you'd like to? So the one that stands out to me is Luso Bowl because I've never been to Lisbon and it's in a palace. 
Yeah, I did see pictures of that. Pretty... looked good, didn't it? It was pretty good. Anyway, that was mine. And you'd like to be crowned king of that palace, would you? I just think it'd be nice not to be in a working man for a change. You're and right. yet, oddly, one of the ones I really want to go to is Thrudbull, which would mean sitting in a field near Swindon. It's not quite the same, is it? Uh, CJ, anything we should have talked about? The world should have asked us, but it forgot. Maybe what was uh, our first Blood Bowl team uh, and why? What was your first Blood Bowl team and why? Undead. Because uh, I, 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 um, I was uh, playing Warhammer Fantasy before with Undead and so I was just stuck with the theme. Okay. So it's not, not very interesting, but at least it's something. I guess the question somebody should have asked me and didn't is, um, how do I get all these people to turn up for this podcast when mainly it's just me talking over them the whole time? And I, the answer is, I've no idea, but they do, which is lovely. Um, thank you to, to Phil, to Spence, to Christian for coming on this evening. I've loved having you here. I thought that was a really fun one. I've loved asking those questions where I didn't even know what half of them were. Um, I just cut pasted and then cut them out. And there we are. We had a show out of that. hope that's been interesting for people to watch. We've covered all sorts of things. But always remember that no matter when it, what, what you're trying to do, what you live, thrive, survive, play your blood bowl, hand shot first. It's just, there's no doubt about it. Okay, that is One World, One Blood Bowl 37. Ask us anything. Over and out. We will see you in two weeks when I have an incredible lineup coming on again. Uh, we have the lovely Gegster, so I'm going to have to be um, very controlled and calm about that. We're going to have Mike Davis, uh, San, coming on, talking all about statistics, and the lovely, incredibly talented young Floridian Blood Bowler, Sol, sometimes known as Sol Fight Sol or Sol Reth, coming on. Uh, the the king of uh, Blood Bowl 7s, a format we all deeply care about, uh, and also an extremely good Skaven coach. We're going to be talking about the terrors of the World Cup, both in terms of the coaches and the atmosphere and everything that's going to be happening there. Uh, so we've got some experienced gangster who knows all about World Cups. Uh, we've got uh, Solon because he's a Skaven expert. I think they're going to be terrors at the World Cup. We've got Mike. He knows the stats. He knows the meta. He'll tell us what to fear. Everyone's taken their choices. The dire cast... At least we can understand what the nightmares are going to be. That's going to be the next One World, One Blood Bowl in two weeks' time. I'm off on holiday for a week. So anything you want to drop into the channel about it, in my Discord, there is a channel. Please leave a comment on YouTube. If you've made it this far, we've earned that. Um, or at least tick the like or tell me you hate it. Actually, that's fine too. It still drives all the algorithms and gets people here. That's us. If everyone waves and says goodbye, it gives me a nice point to find in the edit and it looks like Bye. the Teletubbies. Bye! Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs>